what you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Friday, September 16th, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. champion sound yeah a style we about to get down who the hottest in the world right now just touch down in london town bet they give me a pound tell them put the money in my hand right now set up a motor we need more seats we just sold out all the floor seats take me on a trip i'd like to go someday This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear. For you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on- and off-duty gear. Hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Well, he wanted a bacon double western cheeseburger at parties this week and wound up passing out big, big savings. Everything's on sale at MyPillow right now. They got the the new sheets. They've got the My Mattress. The Airlandell version 2s. I'm wearing mine today. The most comfortable slipper. Use the code FBI for big, big savings. You'll ever own. You enter promo code stake at checkout and you'll enjoy all those savings. If you're more of a morning person, they've got coffee in the bag via the bean and in the pod at my store. You enter promo code stake there as well. You get 25% off. MyPillow.com forward slash stake. For everything bed related, mystore.com forward slash stake for everything else. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment, specializing in headphones, can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, are an American boy, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our newest partner, My Patriot Cigars. Premium handmade cigars out of Nicaragua made with 100% long filler tobacco aged at least three years to give you the best smoke possible. You enter promo code stake at checkout there. You get 15% off. Free shipping on every order is over 100 And every box of cigars comes with a $10 e-gift card for your next purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the trades, he's in Don't Live in Canada, and he's got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast, backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, T-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Plus, they've got a pretty fire IG. 
MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fucks Duck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us is the website. You can find them on Instagram. Find them on Facebook as well. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and Truth Social, welcome, Friday edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 170. I'm Roan, Noah's here. Yo. We think Antoinette's going to join us in a little while. Guys, we got a great show, tons of news, two great guests. I don't know what to say. Happy Friday. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, and let's get right into it. All right, joining us first on the show today, return guest, one of our favorites. He's the former acting director of the DNI. He uh, did a little ambassadorship for the U.S. and the Trump administration to Germany, brokered some peace accords between Kosovo and Serbia, and uh, in case anybody didn't know, he really beat cancer. One of our favorite guests, Ambassador Rick Rennell. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh my gosh! Thanks for um, for mentioning the cancer thing. I have to tell you, I'm I, you're probably referring to my Instagram and yes. um, my video. I have to say, like, I'm in this weird space. So, 2013, I got cancer, got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is like a killer, and I beat it. But it was so aggressive. My doctor said, "Let's check you every three months," and so. For nine years, I have been checked for every every three months for cancer, which sounds great. But my last appointment five months ago, five and a half months ago, my doctor said, hey, let's switch you to every six months. And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> that's so scary. So this is my first appointment in two weeks. I have my first appointment of ever that will be a six month checkup. So literally every single day for the last two months I've been checking my neck and making sure I don't have any lumps, but, but I'll just say this is that September is blood cancer awareness month. Go get checked. Go get checked. Mm. For Lymphoma, real. Leukemia, all of it. Even for as much as I don't like the doctors, I still go for my annual physical and, and they always recommend that I get a full on blood work, which I do as well, just to make sure. Super important. It's one of those things, you know, your, your political background extends far before the Trump administration ambassador. But the thing is, you know, now that you mention it and we're on the topic of, of, you know, you beating cancer and being cancer free for so long, out of all the things you've done, all the, all the hard places you've had to go in and work and negotiate and, and, and be in like the, you know, viper pits in the political spectrum throughout the course of your career by far was cancer the hardest thing you know personally that you had to go through challenge wise i think so and it's because you're not in control right i mean the the hard part is that you're you're thrown into this thing because it's out of the blue it's always out of the blue and you know like you know this was in 2013 for me my partner at the time was doing like that he's a data scientist guy and you know, he graduated from Columbia Business School. I graduated from Harvard. We got two Ivy League people who literally were at a loss as to what to do. And we didn't know how to respond. And so the good news for us is that uh, Matt literally created this system and now has this company called Treatment Technologies and Insights. And he, he helps patients work through chronic diseases. And so what started out as a terrible thing for us, we funded and started and, and tried to help people because he created this artificial intelligence for patients. 
And it was just for me at the time. And now it's literally free and available. And it's probably the proudest thing that I've ever done is to be able to do this artificial intelligence that empowers patients when they're in a terrible situation. It's totally free. It will be free forever. And it came out of this awful experience. Yeah, that's uh, pretty amazing. And and I guarantee that between the three of us sitting here right now, none of us thought that we'd be plugging that as an introductory to uh, getting into <laughs> a true. yeah political segment on our podcast right now, which is uh, definitely one of the reasons we love having you on. But that's, that is a feel-good story and definitely something that uh, I'm sure is assisting and helping with a lot of people across the country and probably even the world. Thank you so much. Well... I know you saw it yesterday because you're dialed into the news. All you have to do is check out your social medias and you're like up to the minute. Like as stories are breaking, you're reposting them with commentary. So yesterday we saw one of the worst days for the stock market in the history of it. And uh, the Biden administration decided on that day to have a, you know, party at the White House, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, like shuffling down the red carpet, uh, dancing, Joe Biden screaming about how he's making adjustments to uh, medication that President Trump already had made and then he repealed so that he could try to reinstitute him, but it's nowhere near the benefits that President Trump gave him. When you see the the things that are going on right now, Ambassador, and we everything we're going to talk about today ties into the midterm elections. This is one of the big facades that they're trying to put up. It's like a cardboard display of, look, we're doing great, when literally behind it everything is on fire and burning to the ground. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because um, let's be honest about uh, the facts here is that Joe Biden and his administration hasn't, they haven't produced a vaccine. They literally haven't done anything to further the COVID stuff. They've been marketing COVID. Um, they, they talk a big game about, uh, you know, confronting our problems, uh, whether it's the border, whether it's vaccines or COVID or whatever. Um, all Joe Biden had to do when it came, when it came to uh, COVID and, and the recovery was really just market and talk about what Donald Trump put through. And and yet, you know, it's been two years and they haven't perfected it. They haven't pushed it forward. Um, now they're talking about, you know, cancer moonshot um, and, and and other, you know, issues. It's I look at what they did um, and, and talking about, you know, oh, we're gonna confront the cancer issue um, you know, lots of presidents have been working on cancer yeah. and putting money into cancer is a very good thing. Stand up to cancer does it. And, you know, all sorts of organizations do it, but to somehow take credit, like, Oh, I marketed the name moonshot. And so therefore, you know, I'm going to take credit for beating cancer. Um, it's the same issue on the border, right? I mean, we're, we're watching the white house press secretary tell us, and the vice president of the United States tell us that the border is totally fine. And then you go and you see, you know, videos from um, Bill Malugin at Fox that are showing the border with people like pouring through. Abe Hamaday, who's running for attorney general in Arizona, just had this amazing video at the border. And there's literally a line of people. And guess what we learned from Abe's video? That's it's not just Latins, Hispanics. Uh, Latin Americans that are coming through the border. It's now Europeans yeah. jumping the line. Literally, they had European passports. Um, the, we got people from Asia coming in, the Middle East. The word is out that the southern border is is open and you can jump the line. 
Yeah, it's uh, some of those videos that have come out of there lately. You know, uh, Malusian just put out a video in the last hour that showed there's now several hundred migrants parked under a bridge in Texas that had crossed. But the NGOs are so overwhelmed, there's no... Uh, relief for them to get off of the actual border. So what he was showing was that throughout the course of the day that the, the illegal migrants were going back into Mexico to buy food from vendors that were just on the other side of the Rio Grande because there was no way for them to go inland via bus and uh, they were hungry. So now they're they're illegally entering, they're, they're starting to get processed, and then when they want a snack, they run back to Mexico to get some snacks and they walk it back across the border again. Because it's so easy. Yeah. Look, I, you know, you brought it up with the NGOs. Let's be, let's be clear. These NGOs are shameless. Yes. They're at the front line watching this happen, and they won't speak up against Joe Biden because they're all lefties. They all get their money from from lefty uh, big government types. And so if they criticize Joe Biden's policies at the border, then they won't get a contract. This is about money. They are money-hungry people. Mm-hmm. And all they want to do is, is create um, more programs so that their organizations are stronger and it's not about meeting the needs. If it was about meeting the needs, then they would stand up, raise their hand and say, this border is open and a disaster and we're not helping people. Yeah. A lot of people have died, gotten hurt. The, the human trafficking element and sex trafficking that's going on down there is rampant. In addition to the free for all allowance of, of major drugs coming into this country, especially more fentanyl than this nation has ever seen since the Biden administration took over. And, and there just seems to be no relief. Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the department of Homeland security decided to go down to ground zero on nine 11. Instead of talking about the problems that, you know, he's, he's brought onto the agency since he took over as the secretary talked about uh, how the focus of fighting terrorism has shifted from like radical extremism to the ones that are here at home and uh you know he's talking about essentially trump supporters which is one of the things i want to talk to you before we really dug into the midterms so you've seen a lot of stuff going on over the last couple weeks obviously there was the fbi raid at mar-a-lago uh we we saw that um you know people are, are getting hemmed up left and right here uh you know big names like mike lindell got you know, stopped by the FBI yesterday in, in a Carl's Jr. drive through for Epstein. People like Christina Bob in the last couple of weeks have also had visits from the U.S. Marshals and FBI's. Looking to dig into things, everything from uh, things to do with, like, the Save America rally circuit all the way back to the original January 6th rally and and even further back to that. They're looking for stuff from, like, 2017, uh, according to some reports. We've entered, like, a new phase of the way federal law enforcement is using this country at the direction of the Department of Justice. It's definitely uncharted waters, probably even more dangerous than ever before. And, and, and you can't help to, to really be concerned now because it's not just people who were former administration officials. Now they're going after Trump you know, adjacent people who are just normal people that either want to be private donors or they help out in any kind of way they can. And uh, just some of the stuff we've seen. I mean, President Trump put out a truth just in the last few minutes. Our country is being destroyed by the radical left Democrats. The stock market's crashing, no southern border, rampant crime, military failure, and much more. Meanwhile, all they want to do is take vengeance on the 45th president, me, and those who support me. We will never back down, make America great again. But, I mean, that kind of sums up everything that's been going on. Outside looking in, Ambassador, how do you, uh, how do you feel about all this stuff? I just got back from Michigan um, where I was helping Tudor Dixon, who's running for governor. And literally Gretchen uh, Whitmer, who is the current governor, has presided over a state that was totally locked down. Our schools and our churches were locked down. And a report just came out from uh, 
highlighting Michigan students. Yep. Math and reading scores have tanked under Gretchen Whitmer because Zoom school didn't work. She was more aggressive than Gavin Newsom. And, she, you know, she's doing it because the left and the woke policies wanted her to. And she she's trying to be a champion so she can run for a higher office. It's a total it's a total selfish move to cater to the woke left. Our children are suffering math and and reading scores have tanked under her. And she's running a multi million dollar campaign on abortion, trying to scare people on abortion. I would like to know who is being duped like raise your hand if you are watching math and reading scores tank and you're buying this message that somehow it's about abortion um you know i'm sorry but but people who are falling for this are stupid yeah and and they need to wake up because you just look at all of the policies that a governor has to implement and you know the legislature does abortions and, you know, yes, the governor has uh, the bully pulpit and it's going to sign and, and we can have those appropriate com- uh, uh, conversations. But she's totally duping people, not talking about math and reading scores. She doesn't want to. And so she's she's distracting. This is the perfect example of the woke left. Yeah. What Donald Trump is talking about, that people are being duped because you know, they go to put gas in their car, they go to the grocery store, they look at their 401ks, and they're saying whoever's in charge is, is a disaster. Everything is awry. Housing prices, um, you know, you just look at the economy across the board, it's scary. And yet the Democrats are spending hundreds of millions of dollars to try to convince you to vote just on abortion. And so I think that people have got to wake up and realize that um, the woke left, which controls our universities, yep. the media, corporate America, uh, you know, across the board, they're failing. And yet they control everything. I've said this before, and I believe it is that the counterculture is now conservative. Yeah, I mean, that makes a whole lot of sense when, when you look at it that way. It, it's just kind of where we're at right now as a nation and, and it's coming back around to the point where they've gone so far off the deep ends like you really can't think that when a normal average middle class person doesn't even have to be married with a family just someone that goes out every day and busts their butt at work and, and they go to the grocery store and things cost double triple as they did a year and a half ago if you could find what you're looking for on the shelves when they get you know reports from the new york times that said Kids ages 9, 11 who experienced uh, home learning during COVID, their test scores are now worse than they were at any point in the 90s, uh, down 5% in reading and writing and over 7% in math. Um, fentanyl deaths among uh, that age of group of kids, you know, high school age kids and, and, and adult males age uh, 18 to 35 are up anywhere between 14 and 20% from when Donald Trump was in office. And you know, then you start to look at all the stuff outside, like leadership in regards to anything geopolitical. We just don't have that standing anymore. I don't think anybody really looks at Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and the people in the cabinet and really think that America is the shining beacon on top of the hill. And this, and then they're going to go to the to the ballot box on November 8th and cast their vote for abortion and pronouns. I can't believe that people are really going to go and and do that and and decide to just like bite the bullet and take at least another two years of the way this country's going. 
Look, I'm beginning to think that the problem is kind of the weak Republicans who aren't standing up to this. Um, you know, I watched in horror as the left uh, said, you know, don't say gay bill in Florida was like this big thing. Um, and, and then Hollywood jumped on and everybody's, you know, trying to scare conservatives into backing down because if you spoke up, you're, you're literally a homophobe. Um, we need to realize is that the left has a game where every single Republican is either a sexist, racist, or a homophobe, or the new one, a Russian agent. Yep. So get comfortable with being a racist, sexist, homophobe, or Russian agent as characterized by the left. Realize you are not that. Realize that this is just the branding that they put on you and fight back. So what I've been saying is anyone who um, supports this bill in Florida where people who are not parents of children are talking to kindergartners about sex. Yep. I think they're creepy. Yeah. I think these people should be investigated. I think that these people um, could possibly be arrested for what they're talking to and possibly what else is happening when it comes to a non-parent talking to a kindergartner about sex. That's really creepy. That needs to be investigated. Yeah, that certainly does. We saw some of those reports that came out this week. Some of those same characters that you're talking about were getting into it a little bit. They were like literally telling kids, remember, this, these aren't the kids' parents. These are school-aligned officials, people that experts that they bring in and this stuff saying that like they're taking it as far as saying like it's okay for you as a child to go home and watch your parents have sex as part of sex education. I mean, come on, arrest these people, <laughs> investigate them. I mean, I think it's weird and creepy. Uh, you know, this is the other thing is, is that, you know, we're, we all cower when we're told we're mean-spirited um, racists for wanting a closed border. And no one wants to be a racist. So as soon as the left says, you want a closed border, you hate immigrants, you're a racist. I think that we've got to start fighting back. And we need to say things like, um, actually, no, we're the most generous nation in the world. Yes. When it comes to immigration, we give a million, roughly a million people a year citizenship. Uh, there's 100 million people waiting in line. I think that you're a cheater and a liar for wanting uh, there to be line jumpers. You want people to cut in line and cheat the system. And so we need to start saying to people, you're a cheater. You're a liar. Mm -hmm. um, we're not racist for wanting rules. And, and so Republicans have got to start firing back and not, you know, towering in the face of being name called by the left because they're going to constantly do it. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with the point with this is that if you think that some future president, Ron DeSantis or future president Ted Cruz or, you know, whatever, uh, whoever is going to not be impeached twice, investigated and raided, you are wrong. Yep. It is going to happen to every single Republican for the rest of history until we defeat these people. And, and that's the biggest thing, you know, getting out to the ballot box of November 8th. Given the Joe Biden administration, the referendum they deserve for ruining this country the last two years. 
Ambassador, before we cut with you real quick, give me your hottest take on maybe like one or two races that that you just are dialed in on right now. We know you're working on a lot of campaigns. You just came back from Michigan. You've done work in Arizona and Nevada. Uh, you've, you've done some heavy commentary on Pennsylvania. We think Dr. Oz is really picking up steam there. Those two need to debate so Dr. Oz could put him to bed. Also, Ohio, I saw you commentate on Tim Ryan's ridiculous comments. We played it on our Tuesday edition of, this, of the show talking about, you know, killing Donald Trump and stuff like that. What are what are some of the hottest races that you're looking at right now? Look, I, I think, you know, I want to win the Senate. So in my mind, the strategy is, uh, you know, Ted Budd in North Carolina looks really good. Let's yeah. keep pushing him. Uh, Ron Johnson is a great campaigner. He's a great senator. Um, we, we all need to make sure that he's got enough money that, that we're supporting Ron Johnson. I think he pulls it off. Um, he, he is just a great candidate. I think you're right about Oz. Oz is really picking up, and and he's running against Fetterman, who's had a stroke and clearly is not healthy. I think the Democrats should replace him and give the people of Pennsylvania an option, a real option, not a stroke patient who can't get through it. And then J.D. Vance, I think, um, is just starting to spend. Tim Ryan is clearly uh, you know, a 20-plus-year politician that has done nothing and nothing. wants another job from the people. Yep. Uh, why give him a promotion? So if you just think about those four states that we hold North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. If we hold those now, that means we got to get one flip out of Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, and might throw in New Hampshire there now. And I think that the best um, opportunity for a flip is Adam Laxalt in, Nev- in Nevada. Agreed. Blake Masters in Arizona is is really overperforming what the pollsters think. And so uh, those two are, are hot races. Maybe I'm uh, biased because I'm from the West Coast and I concentrate <laughs> on the West a little bit, so I know more. But I, I can tell you that um, this past four months, Catherine Cortez Masto spent – million. So far, she's spent $35 million to lie about Adam on TV, to totally go after him like crazy. She didn't move the needle. No. You know, we we, on Adam's campaign, we were saving, we had to save our money because we don't have as much money as they do. And Adam went up in August and will stay up through the election. But we spent the summer getting pounded by. Catherine Cortez Masto, 24 and a half million or 25 and a half million dollars. And she only moved the needle like three points. So right now we just had a poll come out yesterday since Adam has been back on TV. Adam Laxalt is back up by one. When we started the summer, he was up by like three or four and she chiseled him down two or three points. But if you're going to spend $25 million and you only move two or three points, <laughs> you're a disastrous candidate. Yeah, you are a disastrous candidate. So let's send Catherine Cortez packing. That's a flip in Nevada. Put Adam Laxalt in. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, your $10, your $25 to these candidates is huge. And so I would encourage you to go and give to your favorite candidates, go on their their site and give them a little money because it's a great investment in the United States. We cannot have people sitting on the sidelines if we want to save this country. Oh, you're right. And it's one of the things we do when we bring all these guests on the show. We tell them that we never encourage people to donate to the RNC, to the GOP. Find the candidates that identify with you, even if they're not in your state. 
those few bucks helped them out the most, and uh, those are things that are going to help them get over the finish line uh, in, in November. I, I like that commentary on Adam Lexall. Blake Masters is also starting to surge, and I think Herschel Walker now, he announced this morning, Warnock finally agreed to debates. Herschel Walker's been on the show three times. Unscripted conversation for at least 20 minutes, and he's never not known the issues we've talked about. So I think when he get, is able to go up against Raphael Warnock and he puts out Joe Biden's uh, you know, agenda and Raphael Warnock's voting record, it's going to be a slam dunk for those people in Georgia. They're ready for change, and it's not what they got down there right yeah, now. Yeah, zero oh, edits on our right. side. I think you're right. Herschel, Herschel um, is, is being wildly outspent. Yes. But that's another race that Warnock is is for all of his, you know, tens of millions of dollars. He's just not moving the needle. Nope. And he's out there lying about Herschel. And so once we get focused and, and uh, nearer the closer to the election and then Herschel gets to start spending because, you know, Republicans don't have as much money. I think we we you know, Herschel is already right there. It's a one point game. So it's about who gets out to vote anyway. And so uh, I think Herschel can do it. And I think a lot of people are going to be seeing you uh, encouraging them out to vote on the campaign trial between now and November. Ambassador, for anyone that's not following you on social media, why don't you give us uh, your handles and we'll live link them in the show description today. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love doing this show. You guys do such a great job. It's an amazing way to have long conversations, and uh, I, I love to do it. So thank you. My my Twitter is at Richard Grinnell. My truth is at Grinnell. Uh, Instagram is at Richard Grinnell. Uh, I think that's it. So. Thank you. No, thank you. And we'll be looking to have you back at some point in the near future. Thank you for all the hard work you're doing on behalf of the Save America movement right now and all these candidates that are out there on behalf of uh, President Trump working hard to get this country fixed in November. This is the former ambassador to Germany, great friend of the show, Steak for Breakfast endorser. Ambassador Richard Grinnell, thanks for coming on the show. I love it. Thanks. I told you last night that the Biden administration has politicized law enforcement to the point where it feels Soviet and we were not overstating it. The FBI has just raided the guy who sells pillows on this channel, not because the pillows were bad, but because they don't like who we voted for. Matt Finn is tracking the developments in that story tonight. Matt. Tucker, Mike Lindell, known as the Pillow Guy, reports on his live stream, Lindell TV, that FBI agents located him, questioned him, showed him their badges, and asked him questions about Colorado and Dominion voting machines, and then provided him with a warrant to seize his cell phone. And uh, he says, uh, we're FBI, I said, show me your badges. So they show one bad, I said, how about yours? You know, I'm, I, you know, cause I don't trust anybody. Like, you know, there's bad people. Well, they do that and they say, what do you want? And, and uh, he says, we need to talk to you. So I pull over and... Uh, Mike Lindell said he initially told those agents he would not surrender his phone because he does not have a computer and runs all of his businesses off of that phone. Lindell published on his live stream what he claims was the warrant for that phone. Uh, we do not have Lindell's account confirmed right now, but we will be looking into it and keeping you updated, Tucker. FBI rating the pillow guy. This has got to be peak insanity. If that's, tr if that's true, at some point, you know, we just this can't continue. Matt Finn, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Oh, it's true. Wow. That's true. So did he give up the phone? He did. Pillowgate confirmed. Mm. And uh, the memes are glorious. The, the Like the Michelin Man pillow guy fighting off all the FBI agents. From Community. <laughs> it was so great. Good. They also have the one where he's uh, 
uh, Scarface, and he's on the deck, oh, yeah, and he's yeah. got all the stuff. And then, of course, there's all the, the mock FBI ones, like the ones who were in the park on the Capitol Mall, the, all the kids who wore, like, the shirts and the sunglasses and the shorts that look the same with pillows under their arms. Yeah. Or they have, like, your four standard... Uh, uh, you know, like your highway patrolmen, they usually get like the little dime bag of weed, and it's like a major score. And they have like a, a, a pair of, of slippers, a, a thing of the coffee, <laughs> and, and a pillow. So, as, as much as we like to to joke about like the premise of it, the the bigger picture is the assault on MAGA that we started to talk about a few weeks ago. Uh, I wrote a Substack about it last week. It was the uh, cold open of our show. Continues, and people like you know. Other than the Cash Patels, the Boris Epsteins, the Christina Bobs now, Mike Lindell was pulling into a Hardee's drive-thru. He got his order, was pretty excited for his double bacon western cheeseburger, <laughs> and next thing you know, he's surrounded by SUVs. Men get out, present their badges. They have a banter back and forth. He says he doesn't want to give up his cell phone. They produce uh, a warrant. Hopefully he, he was sitting there eating his burger while he was talking to him. That would have been brilliant. He, he gave his lawyer a call, and his lawyer said the, the most prudent thing to do would just turn it over and uh it's a shame where we're at the the intimidation level that the department of justice and the fbi is trying to push on trump world right now is well you might say that the fbi now has the the pillow football with all the promo codes oh gosh (laughs) we're gonna get into that a little bit later actually um because i know you like that one let's hear mike lindell he jumped on his live stream shortly after the incident and and gave a little bit more of a backstory i've got a couple clips from this because it's it's extremely relevant it's everything we're talking about when we told you two weeks ago that they're coming for save america and all trump adjacents uh to try and find anything it's it's the we we have the man now let's find the crime or it's let's just throw darts at the board and see where it lands hopefully it hits what we're looking for uh this is like you know the developing phase of the new, uh, you know, part of this war we're in right now uh, with the D.C. establishment. Let's hear Mike Lindell weigh in a little bit. To hear this, and you're probably already hearing in the news, the FBI came after me and took my phone. They surrounded me at a Hardee's and uh, took my phone. I run all my business, everything with. Um, um, They could have just, what they've done is weaponize the FBI it's disgusting. I don't have a computer. Everything I do up that phone, everything was on there. And uh, um, and they told me not to tell anybody. Here's an order not to, don't tell anybody. Okay, I won't. <laughs> well, I am. So. You could tell the frustration in his voice because. Well, what kind, like, can the FBI be really like, hey, we're going to serve this warrant on you, but you can't tell anybody? Like, what the fuck is that? There's a lot of people who have. A perception of Mike Lindell, uh, who don't really understand everything. You know, we, we we had some really supportive comments in some of the posts we put on our social medias, especially Truth Social. And even though the company My Pillow doesn't necessarily appreciate it when we do it, we were able to kind of bring back the Mike Lindell Thanos uh, meme that Noah made for us. It's S tier, and, and probably one of the best out there. And probably the only reason they said we would we would appreciate it if you didn't do likenesses outside of the real Mike Lindell. <laughs> I, I can almost guarantee that Jack Posobiec probably cried that we had like a grand old memes level meme, which it really is. It's 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 Thanos's body, the Infinity Stones are pillows, and Noah perfectly photoshopped his head into there. I mean, there was shading and everything. That was probably I don't, the I best don't even one. remember that one. I got to take a look at best it. best one you ever did, and uh, you know it's it's just it's a shame. That, uh, you know, some people are still like, oh, he, maybe he's a grifter. You got to watch out for that guy. Listen, Mike Lindell has a 20 to 30 minute speaking spot at every 
Trump Save America rally. He sits in the VIP section with all of the endorsed candidates and all of the Trump, you know, super close orbit, all of Trump's assistants, his legal team, when Cash goes, Rick Grinnell, when Matt Whitaker's on the road with them, um, you know, his sons, when Eric or Don Jr. is on the road with them. Mike Lindell sits right with the, all of them. Um, and and he's he was presidentially appointed uh, during the pandemic. He came on as an economic advisor right at the beginning of the first of Trump administration. And, well, listen, we joke about it sometimes. I think Mike Lindell is going to be the trade secretary when Donald Trump wins the presidency in 2024. I could easily see it. He's such a successful businessman. He's worth almost $200 million. You know, he's got the Lindell Recovery Network. He's best-selling author. And he's been giving everybody a good night's sleep. I tell you what, even when I wear my fancy slides with, like, the pillowy bottoms, the Lindell slippers, both versions, one and two, the Air Lindells, they are the most comfiest things I've ever put on my feet. They just, my feet automatically feel better when I put them on there. And I'm not pushing the product because if something doesn't feel right, I just won't even talk about it. But uh, it, it's funny that I mentioned that because the FBI didn't want Mike Lindell talking about, you know, all of this stuff. He did catch up with Steve Bannon this week and was... Uh, I think he's been on a show just about every day. They sat down and uh, really wanted to tear the FBI a new one. I pulled an audio clip from it. I'm going to find it right now. And, you know, it's one of those things where the FBI doesn't want him to discuss, like, the parameters of why. And, you know, they were asking him about, do you know certain people in Colorado and this, that, and the other thing. And it, it's just, they're just really fishing right now. And it's really bad. Well, and it's just, it's in. It's basically just them fucking with people who they want to fuck with now. Yeah. Because they're they're like, ah, we we can do whatever the fuck we want. Like we've literally gotten away with stealing an election, uh, fucking impeachment volume one, two, and three, all this other bullshit, you know, like weapons of mass destruction, the whole deal. Like let's just keep going. You talking about yellow cake? Yeah. Bannon's talking about the FBI. Let's hear uh these guys. Told the FBI guys, Steve. <laughs> I told the FBI guys, I said, that you guys are going to be on my 6 o'clock show on Frank's speech. And, uh, and they said, this corrupt investigation, whatever you're trying to do. And he, they go, Mike, we're just doing our jobs. I said, yeah. I said, the corruption yeah, goes back yeah. to our government. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. I want all the FBI people. I pulled that clip because I know you'd like it. <laughs> that phrase is not going to save you. That's what the Waffen SS said. That's what the Gestapo said to save themselves right. after 1945 when we won. Right. Hey, we don't want to hear you just doing your job, okay? Right. You know what you're doing, and it's time now for you to come forward and be a whistleblower. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of whistleblowers coming from DOJ and FBI. You better be part of it. The excuse, I'm just doing my job, will not hack it anymore, okay? I don't want to hear that. That's more whining, okay? That's yeah. whining. Mike Lindell. You, you think people like Mike Lindell who have a little bit larger balls and will say stuff like that instead of just like, you know, probably cooperating, which I'm sure like an overwhelming majority of the people do. Um, do, do you think, I would love to see what the reaction from the agents are when, when he says stuff like that. Like, are you really doing your job? Like, how does this make you feel? Like, yeah. do, you, do you really think that this is like prudent to national security? Like hemming me up at a Carl's Jr. parking lot and, and, and taking my cell phone, but like, is that what you signed up to? That's what you went through, like Quantico and, you know, all these ways they glorify you on TV. Like, that's how you embody yourself. Like, you went into work this morning and they're like, hey, we're going to go stop Mike Lindell on the side of the road and take his cell phone to, like, fucking fuck with him. And, yeah. like, 
you know, what, how's the brief for that one go? Well, I mean, the FBI. I mean, I was watching. I was watching a TV show, a series that has been on since like the early two thousands, like two thousand three. I think this episode was from. Okay. And like, the FBI has been a joke forever. Like that. Like he literally made a comment about the FBI and blah blah blah. Something about we'll wait for the FBI to leak it to the New York Post. It, it's just like they, everybody knows. Like, they're putting it in TV shows that it's a fucking joke. Like, the agency is not what it was, well, when it was originally brought forth, it was a good agency, but now it's just a corrupt just bureaucracy that's, you know, doing whatever the fuck it wants, and it's being weaponized by the powers that be. Yeah, you're, you're 100% right, and it's just, well, first of all, they need to stop making those shows, and uh, secondly, they need to, you know really get to the bottom of what's going on here. We did see some, some cash Patel put out a great uh, post that we actually uh, were talking about it yesterday, Noah. And um, you know, it, it's one of those things where people are just so fed up. It's in regards to, to Bill Barr. And you know, when he was the attorney general, he, he essentially stopped cash Patel from becoming the director of the FBI and cash Patel posted attorney general Barr knew FBI agent Tebow broke the law, allowed FBI analyst Outen to do the same, and buried the Hunter Biden laptop. Bill Barr knew that Danchenko was on the FBI payroll, said nothing. No one in the media demanding Barr be held accountable for allowing the largest cover-up of the biggest political criminal conspiracy in history? No. Instead, Barr makes money by screaming, Orange Man bad, hawking his book where he claims, I didn't get the FBI job, that's Cash Patel, Mm -hmm. because he didn't want to lose the FBI Someone tell him he lost the whole freaking country. Mission first. Mm. Fight with cash. And, uh, you know, it, it's getting to that breaking point. And it's it's one of those things where we, we really need to take into consideration, like, okay, when it's more prominent people, that's one thing. But, listen, they're a person or two away from just regular citizens who are, we, we learned this week up on Capitol Hill about Facebook reading private messages and we're going to get into all that stuff in a little bit there was a couple good congressional hearings that i pulled clips for for you guys that we're going to hear on the back end of news one and in news two but uh yeah it's just it's just mind-blowing and to see where we're at right now um i do have some more from uh mike Lindell. let's hear it some of the best lawyers in the country alan dershowitz um, andrew parker kurt olson amongst others what can we do with what happened on on, uh, with this uh, seizure of my phone, they say FBI corruption, and uh, we are suing, as you're hearing it here first, everybody, we're suing the United States government and the FBI. And this isn't just to get the phone back. This is this is uh, my first, fourth, and fifth amendment rights were broken in the constitutional right, and uh, this, is, this needs to be go everywhere. We're not going to put up with this. We're not going to be the Gestapo like in uh, Nazi Germany, Steve, this is, uh, we're being proactive. I was on the phone with these attorneys. I said, no, I want to sue. What What can we do? We got all the lawyers on the phone. They looked up all these statutes. We're going to go to places where no man has gone before. This will set a precedent. This has to stop. Nobody gets to bash people's door down and you get 40 seconds to answer your door. Mm. Nobody gets to corner and take a phone away of a private citizen, their company phone, so they're, uh, and their hearing aids, everything else. And everything I had was in that phone of all these businesses, my pillow, my store, Frank's speech, uh, passwords to be able to do money wires that I can't do right now. Those aren't in any cloud. 
I mean, this has got to stop, Steve, and we're going to do it. Mike, I'm so proud of you. This is why I call you the armor-piercing shell. This mm. is why they're targeting you. You understand this. But listen, the FBI, we know from our childhood and from our youth and all the great things they did. That that's all. That And they got these phony shows on that. That's all oh, got to stop. Go, these phony shows mm. they have on NBC and the MSNBC. Guys, we're going to take your pensions and we're going to take your security clearances. And we're tired of you whining and belly aching about, oh, they're saying bad things about us. Because you're doing bad things. You're doing evil things. And people understand this. Mike, once again, Mike Lindell's on offense. He's not going to sit there because they're coming for you. Yep. They're coming for you. Lindell, tell me one more time. You got Dershowitz. What are you doing specifically about the FBI and about these kick-down-the-door raids? We, we, like I said, we had all the lawyers for over two hours. They might even still be on the phone. I said, I want this done now. We don't get, I don't want this to sit back and everybody go, okay, well, might do this or might do that. All the lawyers were in agreement. We're going to go do it. Set a precedent. We're going on the offense. We're suing the United States government and the FBI. For, they, they broke my rights, my first, fourth, and fifth amendment, and uh, they broke our constitutional rights. They, we are going on the offense, and this is going to stop. The whole world better be watching this because we're going to stop this now. Otherwise, they're coming for all of us. They're coming for you. When I said the comment to the FBI, I said, why don't you just come and bash my door down like you did the people in Colorado like Sharona Bishop? Yep. And when that FBI guy says, well, she didn't answer her door fast enough. 42 seconds, everybody. So if they come knocking on your door, you better have a little timer there and get, get it there before 40 seconds is up. It's disgusting. We're not going to let this happen in our country. You know, well, now I know how long I have to drop my phone in the toilet. Right. 40 seconds. Uh, Mike Odell mentioned the first, fourth, and fifth. What do, you, what do you think the FBI does when you like remote wipe it via the iCloud? Ah, foiled again. Mm, I forgot you could do that. There's so many things we could do. I mean, not know. us, but why I would mean, we? Why would hi- be us? Hypothetically speaking. <sighs> Circling back to amendments. <laughs> first, fourth, and fifth. Mike Lindell said his were all violated. I'm going to swing it over to our constitutional expert, Noah. Break those down for us. The fifth? Isn't that just when you say, like, I'll take the fifth? There you go. Fourth? We know that one well, fairly decently. Know, search and seizure. Mm, reasonable search and reasonable, seizure. Yeah, unreasonable search and seizure. Yeah. And, of course, everybody's favorite, the first. You yeah. hear it right here, right now. That's what we're doing right now. Hmm. Unprecedented times we're living in. Uh, extremely scary. It, it made me feel bad. You want to know what? And I, and I talk about it all the time. My wife is a pre-moderate progressive just because of her field. Um. She's strong on, like, borders. Uh, she likes good economy, low taxes. Um, but when it comes down to it, you know, like, she goes with the flow with everything else. Um, COVID woke her up, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think our kids will ever get a non-required, non-mRNA vaccine ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and when she saw this, she got, like, a little bit emotional on TV. She thought I was joking. And then, like, right after... She's I came, like, they're fucking with the pillow guy now? Uh, I said, Mike, Mike Lindell got raided by the FBI, and she's like, no, whatever. Yeah, she thought I was exaggerating, and then Tucker came on while we were getting ready to eat dinner, and that was his cold open, was going in on the Mike Lindell story, and she's, like, getting a little emotional. And she's like, why? She's like, yeah, he goes around and says, like, all this stuff, but, like, what does he really do? Yeah. And I'm like, well, he is doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes. I try to explain to her. She doesn't really understand the logistics of it, but the fact of the matter is, if you think... I mean, Mike Lindell wasn't there on January 6th. I, there were some clips that I listened to this week where he Well, specific- maybe somebody had a pillow on a backpack or something. Mm. 
Guilty mm. by association. Smuggling pills. What, what does your wife think about uh, this little uh, snippet? You know, where are the documents that were in these empty top secret files that were found at Mar-a-Lardo? I mean... <laughs> I don't think she's ever heard of Mar-a-Lardo. Um, but, but, yeah, she, she wasn't really too down with the, uh, with the Trump raid either. Mm-mm. I can tell you one thing. There was only... The FBI is only getting one thing and one thing alone out of this uh, raid on Mike Lindell. Let's hear it. Made me case against the FBI. I, I'm not right. sure what they're going to find on your phone, but but for God's sake, they're, they're going to find nothing. They're going to find a they're going to find a lot of promo codes for a lot of products where people can <laughs> back, back my pillow. Oh, the Newsmax has been great, by the way. But, promo but, well, code you. Newsmax. Oh, thank you. Thank Don't forget you. about promo code Stake Enter and check out your mm. big big savings. You know, as we segue now. There's a lot of other uh, other news going on. This is. Do you think the FBI guys are ordering my pillow products right now using all those promo codes? There was a Babylon B one that said like, <laughs> the best night's sleep that they ever have, have have all been achieved since they raided Mike Lindell. And it was like a picture of an of a guy like sleeping on a pillow and he had like the photoshopped FBI hat on. <laughs> and like I said, funny but sad and serious. It's just um, idiotic. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. Like what? Like every news media outlet has devalued anything Mike Lindell has had to say. Like, are, are you really going to purport that the My Pillow guy yep. is a fucking crackpot, wackadoo, totally useless, and now the FBI is going to raid him and, and everybody's going to jump on board and be like, well, that was a ne- necessary raid. It was very important that, uh, you know, the national security of the pillows and uh, what the fuck, man? Yeah, it's... it's they, it- they, they contradict themselves in everything they do, whether it's just like liberal idiocy or... Just the government just fucking themselves up. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, and and it's just it's hard to un- explain. It's hard to wrap your head around. I mean, we've tried to deconstruct it for our listenership as best we can over the last couple of weeks by saying, like, listen, we talk to these people offline, we talk to them on the show, you see it on the news, you hear other people talk about it, and we're really getting to the point to where it's like. Do they start going after people who, like regular people, who just have promo codes for Mike Lindell? You know, there's a lot of people in, in, in the news and stuff that that use that and, and help out his company. And, and it's one of those things where, man, you, you just want to – listen, every time they do stuff to Mike Lindell, this affects the, the hundreds of employees he has there. He mentioned that this also affects uh, what's going on at the Lindell Recovery Network, which is a huge, huge element of, of what he's passionate about. I don't know if you caught it, Noah. It, it, it was really kind of the saddest part. So so Mike Lindell wears hearing aids, and his hearing aids are connected to the Bluetooth on his cell phone, so he currently can't operate them. That's fucked up. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And, and you know, it's just like, oh, man, it really just burns you up because you know he's one of the good ones out there. And uh, you, you know how much he cares about President Trump and believes in, in the America First movement. I think that's what, like, the biggest – you know, element of this that, that a lot of people are taking away is that they know Mike Lindell really wants to uh, make sure that Donald Trump has a, a you know, what, what some would consider a smoother path to victory, uh, you know, heading back into the general election season after the midterms here. And, and it's like I said, Mike Lindell is on the road with Donald Trump and he's talking at every single one of these Save America rallies. Like, even though you only see the top of the ticket, the Kerry Lake Blake Masters, the you know, J.D. Vance's or the Dr. Oz and Doug Mastriano's during the rally, uh, 
you know, while everybody's coming into the thing, every single one of the candidates are endorsed by Donald Trump. If he has eight people, they all get 20, 30 minutes to go up there and give their stump speech. And mm-hmm. when we went to Arizona, it was pretty packed in there for all of them. And, and you know, it's a really great time for them to get their message across. So I just feel like, uh, you know, moving forward, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on this because it's just disgusting, like, like they all say. And uh, we'll, we'll segue on to some other news now. But believe it or not, guess what? It's still FBI related. This election was decided by 44,000 votes in Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin. If we, the people, hadn't been lied to, Trump would have won. This was not a free and fair election. The FBI rigged the 2020 election. The diary, the laptop, Facebook, and now the Pfizer deal, this is the biggest conspiracy I've ever seen. And the media won't touch it because they're complicit, too. Yep. So tonight... We're calling on all the honest FBI agents to come forward and tell the truth about what happened in 2020. Twelve whistleblowers isn't enough. I remember when one whistleblower got a president impeached. Mm -hmm. We have 12 and counting. The very institutions that are supposed to stay out of politics stole an election. So have the courage to come out and serve your country in the right way. He's right. Mm hmm. And it just sucks that, like, every single thing that's going on in the news right now. Okay, so you got all the stuff with people in Trump world getting raided. You have all the stuff now that's starting to leak out from whistleblowers that's saying they buried the uh, Ashley Biden diary. They buried the Hunter Biden laptop in 2019. Before Joe Biden was even a candidate, they had it and they knew it. They knew he was compromised. They could have just done their job. Well, it's all those Obama appointees that are still floating around yep. in there. No one would be talking about any kind of voter fraud, even though there was tons of it. The free-for-all mail-in ballots, the 2,000 mules, the voting machines with all the funny business. I mean, you name it, the historical fraud in all those places across the country that it usually happens in. Uh, you know, the, the you know home of, like, places where only Democrats control the polls in, like, Atlanta and Philadelphia. You know, we, we, we know that that stuff's out there, but the, I think the largest component of this, you, if you would have just gone and dumped what was on there for the American people to just digest, this election would have been a lot different in 2020. And it's it's a shame that it's not. Um, I guess they were reconvening up on Capitol Hill this week. And, uh, you know, one of our favorites to listen to on the show, Chip Roy, mm-hmm. he was out there. And, and you know, this narrative that we're kind of going into, I'm getting back to it now, the FBI. So, you know, they're they're involved in all these raids. They're harassing everybody. And then we find out about the stuff from the, you know, elections now. We're going to get into that a little bit later. We've got congressional inquiries this week. We, we had some committees where some of the top tech executives, as we all know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, places like that, were all up on Capitol Hill answering questions. Noah, your favorite, Dr. Fauci, was up there too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that the FBI was complicit in, in collaborating with all of big tech to, to repress certain narratives online and stuff like that, both before and after the 2020 presidential election. Chip Roy's essentially had it with a lot of things. I mean, he's a he's a Texas House representative. He's up there railing about how shitty his state is right now from the migrants. Just to give you guys like a little. So the population of El Paso, Texas is around 28,000. Mm-hmm. 48,000 migrants crossed through there in just last month alone. Just in August. Yeah. Uh... And we, we were watching the news reports all throughout the weekend. We were seeing, like, Malusian and Jorge Ventura and all those other guys who do amazing work down on the border. The places down there where I guess they house these people after they process them are so full that they're literally just dropping them off on the streets now. 
they're just releasing them out of the processing center and into the ether of the United States. It's embarrassing. Now, I'm not saying that a lot of these people are criminals or anything like that, because that would be awful and racist. But there are when you have uh, when you have a group of impoverished people going into a place they're not familiar with, with maybe they do not have the funds or money to take care of themselves. Like, I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna have crime. There's been reports of like migrants breaking into houses uh, in the southern in West Texas and uh, killing livestock and even dogs to eat them. Because once the coyotes get them across, they're, hey, you're in America. Keep going north. You'll eventually find it. I would fuck somebody up if they killed my dog. Yeah. To eat it? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I'd probably beat somebody to death for that. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd probably be just, I mean, there's. I'd probably go to jail, but whatever. It'd be worth it. That's, you would need to immediately move to one of those states where it's okay. <laughs> and, uh, getting back to it, though. But some, I could get myself sent to a women's prison well, there you if go. I wanted to. How dare you? Yeah. Chip Roy is not okay. And he was letting the committee hear it. Let's uh, take a listen. We've had a whole lot of conversation about the facts, or at least the perceived facts or alleged facts about what has occurred or what, what exists in Mar-a-Lago and what doesn't. But remember, we're still dealing with a 50% or something redacted document, affidavit. The whole point here is the power of Congress to demand information from the executive branch for us to do our oversight responsibility. That's why we're here. The gentleman from Texas, my friend Mr. Gomer, articulated very well why we should be bound together as members of Article One to defend the powers of Article One in this context. I ran afoul of a few of my colleagues and the former president when I agreed to a subpoena on the Oversight Committee because I wanted information about where kids were being held after the issues at our southern border. Yep. I wanted that information. I'm fairly public about my belief in the need to secure a border for the betterment of Americans and migrants, but I wanted that information. Article one, primacy, not supremacy, but it is article one. There's a reason I introduced the article one act with my friend Mike Lee, saying that we should limit executive power and executive emergency power. We should be bound together here and wanting to demand information and be able to get it. And as my friend from California pointed out, the FBI, the power of the FBI can be used and is used often to destroy lives. Yep. We will talk in a minute about a different issue about Scott Smith from Loudoun County, mm. who was kind of exhibit one or certainly one of several exhibits in the now fairly infamous letter from the National School Board Association in direct coordination with the White House, which led directly to the Attorney General of the United States issuing a memorandum that is still in effect and under which we know from whistleblowers, American citizens have been tagged as domestic terrorists. Yep. That is the power of your Federal Bureau of Investigation under the Democrat Attorney General of the United States. And you're running cover. And you're running cover for them. And we're sitting here right now, simply wanting to see the entirety of an affidavit so that we can do our oversight duty, our job. 
If there's some concern about that not being able to be seen by the public, we can march down to the skiff right now and go look at the fully unredacted version. Mm. What in the hell are my colleagues afraid of in seeing the full unredacted version? <laughs> the American people right now are tired of seeing the power of government being used against them. When we say we want to see changes at the FBI or rhetoric like defund or break up the FBI, as my colleague from North Carolina said about breaking into 94 pieces, as a former federal prosecutor in a United States attorney's office, I absolutely respect the many men and women I worked with going after bad guys. Something I wish my Democratic colleagues would more often like to do, by the way. Mm -hmm. But the power centralized in the FBI under the Attorney General of the United States being used to target American citizens is something that the People's House, the People's House Judiciary Committee, should be keenly concerned on a bipartisan basis to try to protect. And again, I want to bring this back to the simple point. This is a request of information of the executive branch from a member of Congress elected by 750,000 American citizens in Arizona to say, I'd like to see the entire affidavit. And my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are against transparency, against transparency. They like to use slogans, people over politics. Well, why don't we put people over politics and actually use the power of Congress to seek the truth? I yield back. And we'll always play Representative Chip Roy's full time on the House floor because he's usually mowing right through the bullshit mm -hmm. and getting down to the brass tacks. I don't know who was sitting next to him, but uh, the color commentary <laughs> was amazing. <laughs> Talking shit about the FBI that said if we uh, go down to the skiff and are able to read the whole affidavit unredacted, the Schiff will leak it. <laughs> amazing. So, yeah, but it's, it's sad but true. That That's, that's where we're at. And... Uh, you know, the frustration level in Washington, D.C. right now is at an all-time high because all you want to do is be able to focus on the midterms, winning back the House, reclaiming the Senate. And uh, you have this big black cloud of really uncertainty from the American people and the frustration level of the lack of transparency is, you know, something that we haven't really seen ever in regards to this, and I'm sure you'll appreciate this, no one's probably so where our listenership. We'll hear back from uh, Representative Roy a little bit later in the show in news, too. Um, I don't know if you saw, but the uh, judge who's overseeing the affidavit gate mm. agreed to allow a special master go in and look at these documents and, you know, kind of get to the bottom of just how super secret and uh, nuclear Cody they were. So nuclear, Cody. Mm. Yeah, it was announced uh, middle of the week and uh, is a big win that a lot of people are saying for, for the 45th president because it was one of the people he recommended. Um, it's going to be one of those things where uh, he's going to get in there and take a look at all these documents, and, and by doing that, he's going to be able to tell the American public, really, I guess without violating national security, I guess, you know, be able to take a look at these and, and see just about what's going on. Judge Raymond Deary was named a special master. And uh, let's get a little bit of update on, on just what's going on with that situation. 
We have a Fox News alert. Big breaking news in the Judge Cannon, Florida special master case. She has ruled against the Department of Justice and granted Donald Trump's request to have a special master appointed to go through all of the documents that the FBI seized in the Mar-a-Lago raid. Again, big blow to the Department of Justice. They will not be able to review any of these documents. They have now been taken to the special master. Now, the special master was someone who Donald Trump offered, mm -hmm. and the Department of Justice agreed. The special master is a Judge Deary. Backstory on Deary. Deary was a FISA court judge. Deary was a FISA court judge who the FBI lied to and gave him a bad warrant. And Deary said, yes, you can spy on the Trump campaign. Deary now knows that the FBI was dishonest with him when applying for that warrant. And that Deary will be in charge of going through these documents. Very, very interesting development. Just break. So piggybacking off of what Jesse Waters was saying there, Judge Deary was lied to by the FBI at the behest of the Department of Justice. He approved the fourth warrant to spy on Carter Page. The biggest takeaway from this to our listenership is that the October surprise that this affidavit gate narrative was going to be fake news wise from the DOJ and the FBI is now completely off the table because Judge Deary has until the end of November to review these documents. So his ruling on just exactly what the gist and the uh, premise for the Department of Justice raiding Mar-a-Lago was will have no effect on the midterm elections. Hmm. So now it just goes to the back burner and it'll be going on and we could one less thing to worry about mm -hmm. heading into the midterms. Um, another thing we saw this week, Noah, uh, for, well, for over three years and, and, and at the behest of Bill Barr and of course, lying to the American people via the FBI, Danchenko was, uh, a paid informant. No. Imagine that. I would never have thought that. Yeah. The strongest evidence that they've ever seen right now coming out. This is bigger than any of the. Explosive material that Cash and, and Devin Nunes were able to expose in the Russia game. This is just a new component to it. Um, I saw Devin Nunes. He was actually on Real America's Voice this morning talking about this. So I ripped the clip and uh, I want everybody to hear it. Um, let's start off with this Igor Danchenko. I thought I knew almost everything you could learn about Russia. <laughs> Did you have any idea that he could have been a paid in you know, it, for the it, FBI? It, it doesn't shock me, but I think the key component here is, is that this is now, I think, the strongest evidence that we've seen that they obstructed the FBI, DOJ, et al., obstructed Congress's investigation back in 2017. Yep. If you recall, they were coming after me saying that people were going to die if important assets, Putin assets were going to die. It was all nonsense. The dude was like a few blocks from here working at Brookings at one point. He's a Democratic <laughs> operative. I mean, nobody, nobody cared. So, so this is the best evidence that I have seen that these guys were conspiring to do this. Because you would not bring this guy on as a confidential human source when you already just found out, you know the dossier's bunk, you know it's bogus, you know he's the source, and then look, they lied and misled us. Yep. I mean, so you've got, and they conspired to do it. And I think, you know, whether Durham can bring that, I don't know.
Well, I hope he can, and, and a lot of people are hoping for it too. Extremely explosive uh, details coming out about this now. You know, I just can't even – the amount of lying and misinformation and stuff that they – the things that Adam Schiff did and, and Nancy Pelosi did and all these people on the Democrat side. But they keep getting away with it. And the sad part is, is now you find out like people like Bill Barr, who Donald Trump nominated, Christopher Wray, who Donald Trump nominated, that were running these major components of our government. You know, just let it happen. Like this is all the way back in 2017. Bill Barr was 100% in the know on this. And, and, and so was Christopher Wray. And it just goes back to show you, like, we've got a lot of work to do in regards to, uh, you know, getting our federal institutions back to working for the American people, because right now they certainly aren't. They're working against us in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, and there's no way that people can rationalize this and be like, no, no, the government still cares about us. No. I mean, that's like... If there's one thing that we Helsinki syndrome at this point. Yeah, if there's one thing that we can confirm on Steak for Breakfast, it's that the federal government doesn't give a flying fuck about any of us. Um, Especially if you're a part of the middle class. How dare us. Yes. One of the big things, though, that this kind of all encompasses, all the players on both sides of the table, or both sides of the chessboard, um, swarming around this, you know, threat of possible indictments, federal probes and investigations, things we've been telling you about since day one. Um, Donald Trump jumped on... Uh, the Hugh Hewitt show yesterday, and, and, you know, we've had everybody pretty much in Trump world from Liz Harrington, Christina Bob, Cash, Devin, uh, Ambassador Grinnell was on earlier in the show. We're going to have Matt Whitaker on with us in just a bit, and I'm sure his answer will be just as reflexive as everybody else's. Do you think the 45th president of the United States is going to get – before I can finish the sentence, they say no. no. So, I mean, there's going to be – and they know it because you're, you're talking about – Former attorney general, former ambassador, someone who worked with the UN, you know, someone who wanted to run the FBI and lawyers galore, all saying that just remember how bad Russiagate was. Like everybody was going to Gitmo uh, in Trump world, according to Russiagate. And, uh, you know, he was going to be ushered out of the White House and Hillary Clinton was going to be ushered in and we'd have 100 years of the golden era of what we're living in right now. Um so Hugh Hewitt asked him if, if, if he thought, but listen, do you, do you see this coming down the pike? And if so, what do you think would happen? Uh, I thought it was pretty good. It went under the radar yesterday. Let's hear it. Saying. We've had an amazing, we had an amazing four years. You, you know the old saying, a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich if they want to. I'm just asking <laughs> if there is such a prosecutor and they indict you, would that deter you from running for president again? I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. And as you know, if a thing like that happened, I would have no prohibition against running. You know that. You've already I do. Seen. And that's what I want people to understand. That would not take you out of the arena. It would not. But I think if it happened, I think you'd have problems in this country, the likes of which perhaps we've never seen before. Mm. I don't think the people of the United States would stand for it. What kind of problems, Mr. Green, I think they'd have big problems. Mm-hmm. Big problems. I just don't think they'd stand for it. They will not. They will not bigger problems than they've ever seen before. Ultimate so. of hoaxes. We went through a phony impeachments. Yep. We went through phony Mueller reports that came out with no collusion. We we came everything that they've done to try and stop progress. And on top of that, I did more than virtually any. Pre- you take a look with the biggest tax cuts, with the rebuilding of our military, with all of the things we've done. I don't think the people of this country would stand for it, especially now, now, since the- they know. Especially you, since they know I'm totally innocent. Yeah. You know. And that's the truth. It, it goes back to the fact that 
you may not like the way the man operates sometimes, but he did get a lot of stuff done for us. And, and, and that's pretty much the biggest takeaway from all this. And I think it's just look at the, some of the stuff that happened this week. We talked about it on our Tuesday edition of the show. Joe Biden and, and the rest of the regime held like a bougie celebrate the inflation non-reduction act on the front lawn of the white house and every major legacy media outlet has in their chiron the stock market literally tanking it's amazing the top so it's literally below everything else the little ticker that yeah. says things are really fucked up and like read everything and they're up there just going like everything's fine joe biden's leadership and, and we told you we'd bring inflation down yelling and screaming at people meanwhile the top one percenters the bezoses the musks etc they all lost on average 3.2 billion dollars on tuesday probably still don't really care. No, but just imagine you wake up in the morning and there's $4 billion less dollars in your bank account. I, I feel like once you get to a certain point, it, it doesn't matter. Well, it's I mean, Friday. Like if, when, there's, when there's literally more money in your account than you could conceivably spend. I like it. Then what the fuck's the difference? I, I, mean, I mean, I'd be upset but Eli- if the equivalent was out of my account because I'd be kind of fucked. I lost 14 and a half K on Tuesday. Well... Did you have that money actually in your hand? In my brain, I did. Yeah. Uh, you got to look at people like Elon Musk. Now I don't he, even know. I didn't look how much I lost on Tuesday. I don't want to know. Elon Musk is on the hook for $44 billion now for Twitter. So it's throwing another $4 billion. Now you're talking about he lost $50 billion in one day. I mean, Twitter's the investment, but mm. now he's got to pay up. But is it really? We'll see. I mean, it's going to be weird when 80% of the friggin' users on there aren't there anymore, and we all get doxxed, which, which we heard is, is a real possibility. Oh, from yeah, the from the, the Twitter inside people that are going to do political stunts on their way out. Yeah, yeah that's going to happen. Yeah. So, I'm glad I, I, luckily, I've never really been active on Twitter. Well, I'm glad our 12th Twitter account is my 10-year-old daughter's email. I can dox her all she wants. So what if the FBI shows up for your daughter? <laughs> It'd be weird. So We're here for... Wait, Who? Oh, I thought you were here for me. Oh, yeah, she's in the other room. She's got a she's got a Pasheen uh, emoji as her as her username. Have you seen her before? No, nah, I've never seen that person before in my life. You know, th- this whole first segment, our cold open, kind of centered around what was going on this week with the FBI, et cetera, and how they are kind of intertwined in everything that's uh, happening in this country right now. We're going to be able to get a little bit more of a professional angle in because – we're about to sit down with the uh, former acting attorney general of the United States, and we're going to be talking about all this and more. All right, joining us next on the show today, he's the former acting U.S. attorney general. He's got one of the hottest political podcasts out there, Liberty and Justice. Newest episode is up now. He interviewed Papa John this week. I actually enjoyed it. He played a little football at the University of Iowa as well. He's joining us again. Attorney General Matt Whitaker, thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Good to be with you. It's great to have you back, sir. How's everything going on your end? Just busy, you know. It's uh, I've been traveling a lot uh, with just more travel uh, in mind. I'm excited that next week I actually get to spend some time in Iowa, which is you know home for me, and it'll be good to be back home for a couple days. Yeah, it seems like everybody's busy right now. They're either running around or, unfortunately, running from the FBI, which is. you know, some of the stuff that's filling up the news uh, right now, uh, we saw recently, and we wanted to help, hope you could weigh in on some of this stuff and maybe clarify it 
legal-wise for it since neither one of us are experts on the show. And uh, Antoinette's a retired Hollywood actress, so I think it's outside the parameters of her uh, skill set as well. We saw that the uh, Department of Justice uh, filed to stop the grant for a special master uh, recently. It seems like they really don't want anyone to look at those documents because it's probably going to bust their narrative on just how top secrety they were. Outside looking in, uh, you probably know a lot of the key figures involved here. W- do you think that the special master is going to get to review these documents, and do you think it's the best route right now for President Trump? I do. This case is interesting. There's a lot, um, as we're talking today, that is uh, up in the air, and it's kind of a split-screen situation. You know, the federal government um, is seeking a, an appeal Um I think it's a discretionary appeal uh, that the judge actually has to approve for them to file it because it's not a dispositive motion. So it's uh, that's going to be interesting what she does with that. They have also agreed on a special master to some extent. You know, the government has said that the judge, uh, one of the judges that Trump has uh, offered as being a good special master, they would accept that person. It's a judge with experience on the FISA court and with a lot of experience, you know, with, with national security information. But, um, you know, I don't, I, I like, there's one thing about this case that sort of is a head scratcher for me is I don't think there's any doubt that every president of the United States, since the presidential records act was passed or, or, you know, some of these classification things, which are probably not as relevant. Right. Um, I have, you know, at one minute after they're done being president, have had some document or documents that uh, allegedly they shouldn't have. Okay, so so on minute one, on January 20th, uh, you know, every president's had probably things they shouldn't have or, you know, whatever. So then the question is, how long can that issue resolve? I mean, and, and right now the FBI is saying it's the number's less than 18 months, Um but, you know, why did why haven't they raided other, you know, presidents seeking this? You know, there have been other presidents that have fought these issues because, you know, there's kind of you either have presidential records or you have personal records. And there's kind of that's those are the only two categories under the Presidential Records Act uh, that are relevant here. So it's going to be I, th- this case, you know, I, I still and I, I don't think Donald Trump is going to be criminally charged. Um, I think that is just our country is going to have, would have a hard time bearing that. Um, but at the same time, you know, Merrick Garland appears to be a complete, um, partisan activist. And and it's really, you know, there are so many other ways to resolve this short of doing what they're doing, but every time they have a choice to, to turn down the temperature or to try to, you know, work this out, you know, obviously it, it, it comes to a, an extreme, a forceful solution by, you know, the FBI and the Department of Justice. Yeah, I mean, you make a whole lot of sense there. It it seems like, and and there's been so much transparency at the cooperativeness level of President Trump and his legal team working with the FBI behind the scenes before this all happened, and just to see where we're at now. uh, We we really feel after, you know, we have so many people from Trump world who are still pretty directly connected to the president on the show in such a frequent time. Everybody from Liz Harrington, Christina Bob, Cash and Devin, Rick Rennell, uh, Boris was on the show last week. And they, they just think that this is 
literally the piece of cardboard that they put in front of the dumpster fire that this administration has turned this country into over the last two years as something to just take people's minds off of in, in the fact that in 54 days we're going to be heading to the ballot box in one of the most consequential midterm elections in the history of our country. Well, there's no doubt that uh, both the, you know, the January 6th um, congressional hearings uh, and the January 6th uh, DOJ investigation uh, were, you know, are both intentional acts by Democrats and Democrat appointees to uh, change the narrative from how awful the economy is, how inflation is punishing uh, families and those that can least afford it. And so, you know, obviously anything dealing with Trump that they can make it about Donald Trump, they think will help help their prospects uh, in November. I, I don't think that actually is the case. And, you know, as, as I mentioned, I'm traveling all around this country. Um, I was just in Houston with um, some of the um, Senate candidates uh, at, a, at a fundraising event. And I was able to talk to, to them, including our friend, our mutual friend, Adam Laxalt. And, awesome. you know, it is, um, there's no doubt that suburban women, um, you know, and especially those that manage their family's budget um, are, you know, seeing the direct influences of the costs and the fact that, you know, a, a normal American family needs about $5,000 a year more to afford the things that they usually use on a, you know, daily and weekly basis. And so, you know, that is, you know, the cardboard in front of the dumpster fire is absolutely right. Um, but at the same time, I think it's also cardboard in front of their incompetence. Yeah. Um, not only is it from the podium at the uh, White House where you have a spokesperson that is, um, you know, sort of, I guess, checks all the boxes, uh, from a diversity standpoint, but it's just flat out incompetent and doesn't know the answers and doesn't instill, uh, you know, doesn't explain uh, the policies of the White House. And then you have, you know, a president who, quite frankly, is incoherent at times. And, uh, you know, but remember, if you guys would just buy an electric vehicle, <laughs> that would our problems. Only, only, but don't live in California because then you're not allowed to plug it in. You, you are going to get the emergency alert text message from the uh, governor who got more recall votes um, than he did in his general election campaign. So don't worry about that. And whatever you do, don't plug it in between 2 p.m. and 9 p.m. or you'll get the ultra mega peak hours. Oof. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad out here in California where our inflation rate's hovering in the low 20s. Um, you know, well, good, go ahead. Um, good news for uh, somebody like me is. I will be, you know, sort of the last American, I'm sure, joined by many others who does not have an electric vehicle, A. And B, I, you know, I mean, my home state of Iowa will never pass a electric vehicle mandate. But if they do, uh, I guess I'd have to move to someplace like Texas or Florida where they would let me freely burn fossil fuels. Because, you know, the dirty little secret is, um, you know, electricity doesn't just, uh, you know, show up, you know, you got to make electricity and a lot of it's burning natural gas, coal, uh, and other fossil fuels. So, I mean, it's the whole thing is, you know, the typical liberal, um, you know, making sure that they don't see, uh, their fingerprints on anything, but at the same time, you know, kind of feeling good about their virtuousness. Yeah. Yeah. Plugging in their Tesla and the, uh, in the, Parking lot when the diesel generator is around the corner. <laughs> that's charging it. You can't beat that. It, what tar started out as a great meme has come a uh, unfortunate reality Oof. for all of those people. 
Uh, Matt, I kind of want to stay in the same thread. You talked about uh, Merrick Garland and his lack of leadership there at the Department of Justice. It, it seemed over the course of the last two weeks, uh, their January 6th narrative and the, what well, we're calling it now, the FBI DOJ Raidathon on uh, now not just former Trump admission, uh, administration officials and people who served for the 45th president, but now they're going after Trump-adjacent allies, PACs, groups, people who are kind of outside of the direct orbit of the 45th president. Uh, we saw everybody from like Boris Epstein and, and Women for Trump PAC, Save America, and Mike Lindell in a, in a Hardee's drive through all get raided in the last two weeks um, amongst close to 40 others. Uh, looking for stuff that's related to things like January 6th and stuff like that. It seems to be a, a big stretch, especially when you're literally going after like Women for Trump group and, and Mike Lindell. Uh, you know, not, not too people or organizations I would think would be the uh, harbor of national secrets. But at, at this point right now, how scary is it for you as someone who sat in that position to see them directing this, uh, not just on what you might call political adversaries and, and the new face of what it's like to be on the opposite side of the aisle, but now just continuing to go after regular people? Yeah. So several thoughts. First of all, I didn't even know there were Hardee's restaurants open, so <laughs> I need to go to Mankato, Minnesota to get my, uh, they used to have that sourdough burger uh, that was really good. But anyway, I digress. That sounds it's a delicious. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously when you accuse somebody of a crime, and, and I, I've been a federal prosecutor, you know, and I've been at DO Maine Justice and, and Attorney General sitting in that seat and, you know, you, the power that you have to just accuse people or to launch investigations is pretty awesome power. And you have to have judgment in order to exercise that power. Um, and there's a reason we don't appoint these positions for life. Why U.S. attorneys have four-year terms, you know, why attorney generals obviously uh, usually don't last more than about two years. Um, uh, per president. And the reason is, is that, you know, the judgment and the discretion uh, that is required to do those jobs. I think, you know, right now, based on everything that I can see is the, the DOJ and Merrick Garland decided to launch a very broad um, in, you know, encompassing uh, investigation, not exactly knowing what their theory of the case is, or what, you know, exactly what they're going to try to prove. But what they want to do is punish people by making them hire lawyers, defend themselves to muzzle some of the best spokespeople uh, for Donald Trump and the Make America Great Again movement. And, you know, to slur, disparage, and, and aided by their friends in the, you know, mainstream media to destroy uh, political opposition. And, you know, this is um, a very dangerous moment in the history of our republic. And, you know, I'm, I fear that with this um, uh, broad use of the Department of Justice and its awesome powers, that it's going to ultimately have a response that, you know, it, this the tide will turn, not, you know, again, the, whether it's inflation, whether it's energy policy, whether it's, you know, uh, Afghanistan withdrawal, so many uh, other things, um, you know, that are considered by the voters, Republicans will be in charge. And eventually Republicans will have the presidency, will appoint an attorney general, 
And, you know, I just, I, I worry um, that there will be a desire, just like Democrats had a desire um, to avenge the Clinton impeachment, that yep. there will be a desire among Republicans to avenge this, uh, you know, abusive discretion. Yeah. And so I, I just, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good. No, it definitely doesn't look like it. We've already heard some pundits on the progressive left teasing how they can almost see the writing on the wall. We know Joe Biden for, you know, stuff that's gone on with with Afghanistan withdrawal and what's gone on on the border. Alejandro Mayorkas, who already got into it with Congress when he ruined CIS with his pay-for-play visa and all the crappy stuff he had going on there during the Obama administration. He stepped down in shame. I can't believe that he was appointed to be the head of the Department of Homeland Security, target on his back for impeachment. In addition to that, you have... uh, you know, Merrick Garland as well with this obvious weaponization of the Department of Justice and, and using the the FBI as like, you know, foot soldiers to go out and conduct uh, politically targeted raids. Uh, there's a whole bunch of people on the left right now who are saying like, oh, yeah, they're going to win back the House and Senate and they're just going to impeach everybody. and It's going to set a new precedent moving forward. Uh, that's where, like, if you don't like the candidate that gets elected into office, they're just going to try to win back power in the in the, you know, the lower two chambers and then impeach them moving forward. Like this will be the new precedent. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the Founding Fathers designed the system uh, to work as it works. The House, you know, swings with the popular, um, you know, emotions of the moment. And the Senate is a much more um, longer term uh, deliberative body of, you know, alleged, um, what would be the term, uh, august uh, individuals of, of, sound mind. Um, but you know, it's, I think, you know, we're, we're in for an interesting time and you know, it's going to take some statesmen and stateswomen to actually, um, lead us. And, and, you know, I mean, I I think that's the, the, the hardest thing for, uh, an elected official is, and you saw where, for example, Liz Cheney lost sight of this is that yes, you can be a leader, um, but you still are a representative of your constituents right. and you need to be very aware of where your constituents are, um, and make sure that you are representing them. Uh, and obviously if you feel there's something, uh, a principle that you need to stand for, or, you know, a, um, a matter that is, um, you know, uh, you won't compromise on, uh, you know, it's the voters uh, that are going to decide whether, uh, they want to agree with you or whether they want to vote you out. It's that simple. Yeah, you bring up Liz Cheney. That's such a great point. And then you have people like Adam Kinzinger and then eight of the ten people who decided that they thought it was, uh, you know, more more prudent to virtue signal and impeach Donald Trump than it is to go back to their constituents and see what they really wanted. They're no longer going to be participating in politics moving forward. Um, it's just kind of the way it works. And uh yeah, it, it, it's weird times. One of the things that I think ties this all together and, and, and is the point I'm trying to make here. Okay, so there's been a lot of news lately coming out about, you know, the repression of the October surprise from, from 2020. Obviously, it's the Hunter Biden laptop, possibly the Ashley Biden diary, things that the FBI had, had had in their possession since 2019. We all know that under William Barr's leadership, you know, he, he allowed FBI agents like uh, – Tebow and Outen to go out and, and bury that and remove it from the news cycle. Uh, he also knew 
that that stuff was going on behind the scenes when he didn't stand up for President Trump heading into January 6th, regardless of what happened that day or how anybody feels about it, uh, there was definitely no solidarity there. Uh, between the attorney general and the president during that time. Um, and then, you know, if you go back and even look at more stuff, uh, you know, th they push so many establishment-type picks on President Trump, Christopher Ray, Bill Barr. They push people like Cash Patel out from becoming the director of the FBI. And, and you know, all in a case to like, okay, things have been so crazy with Comey and Crossfire Hurricane and Russiagate and impeachments. We just need a little bit of normalcy, a little bit of people who know they weren't saying the quiet part out loud, but it's how the administrative state works. And look where that's led us. How much of where we're at right now falls on the shoulders of Bill Barr and some of the things that he really dropped the ball on uh, moving into the 2020 presidential election? That's a fantastic question. And it's not something uh, that, you know, we've, we've, we've seen little decision points that he made along the way. And, you know, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt how he handled the uh, Mueller investigation, because that's the, what I have the most knowledge on. Yeah. Um, that, you know, the, that the, you know, that that was a very well um, handled matter where, you know, he was dealing with, you know, he's told the whole story, but he's dealing with grand jury material. Couldn't release the full report until that was redacted. The Mueller team hadn't redacted it. Um, and so, you know, he did a summary and then ultimately, you know, nobody's ever gone back, but, you know, his summary was very accurate. Um, you know, there was a there was a point, though, where, you know, Bill Barr um, could no longer um, do the job. You know, the, the president did disagree with how he was doing his job. And, and, uh, and you know, and, and Barr left before the end of the term um, in, I think, December. Mm -hmm. And I, I it is. The FBI is a multifaceted um, uh, organization that has one political appointee uh, at the top, and everyone else is a career official. It's very difficult to get, you know, even for an FBI director to get the type, the people that they want uh, into the roles that they need, and so you know they have to be very skilled at leadership. Um, and I know uh, one of my main frustrations when I was at the Department of Justice was that Chris Ray wouldn't uh, make the changes necessary. He wouldn't even fire Andy McCabe. Yep. Um, and that, you know, Andy had, you know, it's it very well documented what Andy did and, and his, uh, you know, kind of inability to be truthful with the inspector general and, you um, and, you know, they're, they're, you know, the leaks that come out of the FBI. I mean, these are, these things are, um, need to be better managed, should have been better handled. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's too bad. You know, I, I have, I have a lot of friends that are either retired FBI agents or currently at the FBI. I have people unsolicited reaching out to me, uh, to express their dissatisfaction. And that is former FBI leaders, uh, racks, sacks, and the like that are, you know, just can, do not understand why the FBI is handling uh, these recent manners the way they are and, you know, wh where these decisions are coming from. And, I mean, obviously, it's very easy to let the bureaucracy be in charge and just stay out of the way. It's another thing to actually proactively manage it and 
and and make the tough calls. I um, mean, you know, I think obviously we haven't talked about it since it happened, but you know, I'm just tell you the the search warrant executing search warrant Mar a Lago, I think, was just a really bad decision. Yeah, um, could have been handled so many other ways. No, it certainly has, and I'm sure you weren't surprised of the news that broke over the last week or so that that showed that. Um Dechenko, uh, who's involved in the Durham investigation right now, uh, was uh, being paid by the FBI and, 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 you know, lied to the investigative committee is probably as many as five times while the FBI kind of hid what his role was in regards to the whole Russiagate thing, which is like the fact of the matter. It doesn't matter if it's Mike Lindell getting stopped at Hardee's or Donald Trump, you know, 16-year-old son. They're going through his sports equipment all the way up to the narratives that they put out in the news media. It seems like all of these players involved were all involved in the, in the Russiagate scandal, and they're all trying to do whatever they can to remove these players from the chessboard. So the real narrative will never come out that they've really did a bad job of, of creating this lie and hoax on president Trump. And, uh, you know, they even, they have people here that, have, that, that are up for uh, indictment right now in the Durham investigation that were, you know, just lying to everybody because probably people at the FBI told them to. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, um, I don't know. It's just so disappointing, um, what's happening. And, there doesn't appear to be any adult in the room, yeah. if you will. <laughs> and uh, you guys know how, you know, these things kind of work their way through an organization. And, um, you know, it just, I, I think you have certain people that are trying to please the Obama administration. I mean, the Biden administration um, with their, with their actions. Cause they know, you know, they, they hear the music and they know what song to sing. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're not talking to anybody that has a different perspective and that's really dangerous. You know, there's no, there's no voice uh, from what I can tell inside the department of justice currently that is willing to uh, question, uh, you know, this, 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 this decision, I guess, to criminally investigate Donald Trump yet another time um, for, you know, something that is, I just don't, I just don't think at the end of the day, it's any more than a, dispute over documents and the possession of documents. Absolutely. And uh, don't worry, we are going to end on some high notes here. I did want to ask for some commentary on your recent interview with Papa John. He's like one of my favorite guys to hear whenever he jumps out either at CPAC and gives a speech or, or jumps on a podcast with somebody. How was it sitting down with him and getting to pick his brain a little bit? So, you know, I've got, uh, I've, I've had a chance to spend some time with him. Um, socially. Um, I was with him out in, uh, Utah, and um, I was at the Kentucky Derby uh, this year and uh, spent some time with him as well uh, in some events leading up to that. And I just, I think he's a really interesting guy. And, you know, one of the reasons that I do my Liberty and Justice show is not just to sort of talk about the issues um, that I know. It's it's mostly to, uh, a primary goal of mine is to tell the stories of the American people accomplishing the American dream. And these are not folks, you know, I mean, I, I, through politics, I get to meet with really successful people that have, you know, tons of cash and enviable houses and, and everything that you would expect, all the vestiges of success in America. But, you know, it's, 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 it's really highlighting how just down to earth these folks are and how, um, and, and what they've had to do to, you know, fight through 
the BS of life and of business. And so I just think Papa John is one is a fascinating individual. What happened to him was uh, really kind of disgusting. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, political hit. He was canceled before canceling was cool. Um, and I just, you know, I, I really, it was a, it was a great chance to sit down. I didn't have enough time to really dive deep. The, the most interesting thing he said, I don't know if it was on the interview or if it was just us talking is kind of what's next for him. And he's, you know, he has a very specific um, view of what he needs. You know, he's not, is no desire, I think, to get into pizza again, but, you know, he's going to use the same principles that, that put the, you know, Papa John's on a huge growth curve. Um, and he's gonna, and he's gonna, you know, create something, uh, equally as amazing. I think that's just that, that desire to succeed and the drive to do what's necessary. I think it's just, it's fascinating to me and getting inside people like him and, and, and having them talk about it is just really interesting to me. No, it is, and, and you know, he, he is like a, uh, right now, non-political, even though he talks about politics a lot, version of, of Donald Trump. He came from nothing. He built a small business into a huge, you know, uh, successful American dream-like corporate empire, and then, unfortunately, he had some bad things that happened to him, but hearing him speak, he does seem like he's a very deep person. He seems like he's very dialed in. I mean, when you work with people who have blue-collar jobs and, and you care about the product that you're actually putting out there, not the pizza, but, like, the experience you get when you have a small business, it's good to have, uh, you know, that mindset to where you go out there and you're really dialed into some of the issues that are going on because of who, you know, you're, you're working with. And now I want breadsticks. Oh, there you go. Garlic sauce? Ooh, delicious. Of course. Last thing, Mr. Attorney General, you already mentioned Adam Laxalt is one of the obvious heavy hitters going into this midterm election. We're going to be 55 days away here until people go to the ballot box. We know Republican voter turnout in this midterm election is probably going to be some of the biggest midterm election turnout that we've ever seen in the history of this country. And, uh... What are some of the races that you're focused in on uh, across the country right now that are going to help us get those two chambers back in uh, Republican hands? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I've been um, in New Mexico um, and working on a house race down there for our one incumbent. Been in um, in my home state of Iowa in Newton working with uh, Marionette Miller-Meeks who won her last election, her first uh, her first election and her last election in 2020, she won it by six votes. Um, hopefully we'll get a better, better result this time. Uh, you know, I've been out, had him helping Adam a lot in Nevada. Great guy. Um, in Ohio Sunday, uh, in, in the uh, Akron area, um, doing a town hall with a member of Congress and, um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in the Senate seats, especially I think yeah. the house, I've talked to a lot of people. I think there's a sense that, you know, the, just the way the political winds are blowing and the, and just that people are feeling that that Republicans will, will most likely win the house. Um, I think the Senate is where I'm focused and, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty much Adam Laxall is our, is our 51st vote. So yep. um, I worked really hard. I don't know if we talked about the last time I was on, but I worked really hard to get Eric Schmidt yep. from Missouri uh, over the line. And, you know, he's our nominee and, He's been the recent poll show him up by 11 points. So, you know, but that's a hold. That's you got to find a seat to, to take, you know, and, and obviously anything I can do for my home state Senator Chuck Grassley, who's in cycle, um, you know, I'll do, but um, I don't know. I'm going to probably spend a lot of time in Nevada and, and uh, possibly Missouri uh, in the coming uh, weeks and days. 
well, those are two seats we'd like to see, one flipped and and one secured. And then Mm -hmm. when you talk about all the other stuff going on, President Trump's going to be in Ohio on Saturday with J.D. Vance and the rest of the ticket there. We've got a couple of those great candidates coming up, like Max Miller, uh, who worked in the Trump administration, and then J.R. Majewski is going to be joining us in in a week. And uh, we're just trying to cover it the best way we can. You know, we've had all these awesome Senate picks that have uh, made it to the general election. Like Adam's been in the show several times. So is Blake Masters, Herschel Walker. Uh, we just had Don Bulldog on last week. He's going to come back again now that he's. It's so weird. Even places like New Hampshire, you got two House seats who are running on America First campaigns. Bob Burns uh, was a Trump administration appointee. And obviously, you know, Caroline worked in the uh, press sec office in the Department of State. And then you have, uh, you know, the. Uh, the Senate it, possible flip there with, with, with Don Bullock looks like he's going to be getting some money from the GOP and uh, he ran a campaign. He was on with us. He says he put money into one commercial and, and, and he had a really strong showing in the primary. So if they could unify the ticket there, which after the unification breakfast today looked like they're doing, uh, that could be another uh, out of left field pick for, uh, you know, the America first movement there and maybe get 53, 54 seats come November. Well, that would of course be amazing. Um, I just want to get to 51. <laughs> That's all it takes, <laughs> right? You know, it's it's so miserable right now, and it's 50-50. So it's uh, – Yeah, it sure is. Mm. Mr. Attorney General, where can anybody find your podcast in addition to uh, maybe catching up with you on the road at these campaign events that you're going to be at in Ohio and, and New Mexico yeah. and, and Nevada? Yeah. So I think, the you know, I'm on uh, both Truth and Twitter and Facebook as Matt Whitaker 46. Um, but, you know, mostly where I put – my stuff is Whitaker.tv, and I would encourage your listeners uh, not only to go visit that website, but sign up for my newsletter. I send out a daily newsletter that kind of you know talks about what I'm doing and where I'm going. So it's uh, there's I'm out there uh, out there hustling, and uh, you know I always love uh, talking to folks that uh, are a um, you know are are freedom first, America first uh, patriots. Well, you're going to be uh, talking to a bunch of folks today when this gets up uh, onto the uh, podcasting platforms for us. It's been great having you on here, and we'll look forward to uh, having you on again real soon. This is the former acting U.S. Attorney General. He played a little football at Iowa. His podcast, Liberty and Justice, is uh, burning up the airwaves. Check it out and subscribe to it. Give it a great rating. I like it. Yeah, Mr. Matt Whitaker, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. All right, guys. Thank you. Yesterday, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, more people from other countries wound up going to Martha's Vineyard. It was at 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon that a couple of planes with 50 Venezuelan migrants uh, arrived, apparently courtesy of Ron DeSantis. Apparently nobody was alerted on the island before they showed up. Uh, Some of the people, according to the Boston Globe, did not know where they were. Well, you know what? If you don't know where you are, you're in Martha's Vineyard, one of the most spectacular progressive right. celebrity destinations in the world. It's not a great time to buy, though, uh, if you're in a league. I don't think they're in the market. Oh, they know? You no. know, they sell you. They have, well, if you're an agent, if you have one of those gold jackets, go down and if see you're if they're Maybe they'll person. find work there. I mean, in, in Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard, they have all these Christmas festivals, the cranberry festivals. Right. That's they'll, what they're there for. They'll need some workers. But right. I think it's just such a message. It's a message, yeah. Mm. We got a border problem. And you're ignoring the border problem, so we're going to bring the border problem to you. And what Ron DeSantis said about six months ago or eight months ago 
is you're landing planes in Jacksonville in the middle of the night. Next thing you know, I'm dealing with school systems calling me up saying we're right. overrun with illegal immigrants. Uh, what's going on? We weren't giving, even alerted about this. So if you're complaining about Ron DeSantis flying people in and not giving you a heads up, join the club. The president doesn't give anybody a heads up, including Democratic well, the governors. the Democrats say we are sanctuary states up here, but... We know the Republican state of Texas, the Republican state of Florida. You're feeling this, but that's okay. We're thousands of miles away, and these governors are saying it's not fair that we take on this burden. Right. We are also going to let you take on this burden. You're a sanctuary state. So you've said you're going to welcome them, so we will send them to you. And you know what, Inslee, to your point, Ron DeSantis himself had mentioned before, you know what, all these migrants coming to Florida, I'm going to send them, he said a couple of months ago, to Martha's Vineyard or Delaware, which is Joe Biden's home state, that would get everybody's attention. And DeSantis is confirming, yes, we did this. Oh, uh, his uh, communications person put out this statement, and it starts like this. States like Massachusetts, New York, and California will better facilitate the care of these individuals who they have invited into our country by incentivizing yes. illegal immigration through their designation as sanctuary states. Mm-hmm. Mm. So that happened. <laughs> it would have been funny if they would have just like taken over some of these properties, like just just you know broke in and started living in somebody's like mansion. I mean, because in uh, Massachusetts, the squatters' rights, like they'd have to obtain a court order to evict them. Yeah, no, you're right, Noah. And and it was pretty interesting to see the reaction on the same day that Ron DeSantis flew migrants up to Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sent two busloads full of migrants of the same caliber <laughs> and dropped them off on Kamala Harris's front lawn. Uh, there was a good interview there. It was kind of really bad audio, so I didn't pull the clip, but the, the news reporter uh, asked the guy who was like a spokesman for the migrants because he spoke English, kind of. Um, so, the, you know, the borders, they're like completely wide open. Like, in our country, it's advertised. And then he's like, but you came here illegally. He's like, oh, yeah, 100% illegally. Like, this is not, this is not the right way to do it, but... Yes, we know that if we just talk to the right people who are helping them get there, like the borders are open in the United States, like they are definitely not closed. No, no fake news detected. No, not at all. Oh, the, that was the best. Is is Kamala Harris on the walls of her property had extra security that were keeping people away. Mm. Where where is where else is that happening? Except the people aren't really being allowed to keep the people away right now. I feel like that sounds kind of familiar. I don't know. Yeah. What am, well, I, th what am I thinking of? Hmm. Kings of the Virtue Singlers. Perfect. And uh, pretty soon to be Democrat presidential candidate, creepy Gavin Newsom. Ugh. American psycho himself. If anybody votes for that fucking guy. Sent an open letter to the Department of Justice suggesting that Governors Abbott, DeSantis, and anyone else who sends migrants north... Should be removed be, from office? Should be considered kidnappers and investigated by the Department of Justice. Oh. When Joe Biden is literally putting people on. There were... Kidnappers. Five more planes flown into Westchester, New York last night uh, under the cover of night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And without the governors knowing about it. That's not kidnapping? Mm. Didn't last long. Could, could be worse. Could have been fed napping. So... We talked about it in News 1. Population of El Paso, Texas is about 28,000 people. Um, almost 50,000 migrants, if not more by now, have crossed through El Paso just this past month. 50 migrants are flown to Martha's Vineyard 
The National Guard in Massachusetts was mobilized this morning, and the migrants were removed and relocated to stay in barracks at Joint Air Force Base Cape Cod. Just like that, they're gone. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, probably less nobody luxurious. Opened, nobody opened their homes? Yeah, I mean, with all the, uh, the you know, but people have been posting the uh, the image of the we respect women, we value black lives, we mm. stand with our LGBTQ mm. community members, we stand with immigrants and refugees, with indigenous peoples, and with people of all faiths, we stand with our community. All are welcome here. Hate has no business, and it's literally the island of Martha's Vineyard. Not in my backyard. So, like, all are welcome until they actually show up. <laughs> Fantastic. You know, the Biden administration had some... Uh, Blowback on this. Uh, KJP was just hit at the podium with it. I'm pulling the clip as we speak. Let's hear it. These vulnerable migrants were reportedly misled about where they were headed, told they would be headed to, to Boston, misled about what they would be provided when they arrived, promised shelter, refuge, benefits, and more. These are the kinds of tactics we see from smugglers in places like Mexico and Guatemala. <laughs> no. By the end of this fiscal year, 5 million people will have crossed over the U.S. southern border since Joe Biden assumed office. And this is a statement from the White House press secretary speaking on behalf of Joe Basements for 50 migrants. Now, listen. 50 migrants. That's nothing. These weren't the coyote in. Every single one of these people that were getting off this plane were nicely dressed. They had cell phones. They had luggage. You're not talking about the people who have literally trekked from the Golden Triangle up through Mexico and, you know, crossed throughout the wilderness where people obviously were died and, and are raped, etc. These were a different class of migrants. And... And if they were on their way to Boston, that's you know, that's basically just a layover. It's only 90 miles difference. Yeah. Excellent fact check there. There's light traffic right now, too, I, by the way. I love it. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is absolutely absurdity. Uh, the meltdowns from these people and, and, and the stuff that, that, you know, they're trying to do. She also said that we're over here trying to actually fix a system that's been broken for a long time, broken even more by the last administration, and we are seeing from them is these petty and dangerous stunts. So the last administration mm-hmm. where people weren't being encouraged to come here and risk their lives and be human trafficked, raped, murdered, robbed, etc. You said raped, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, depends on how many how long your trip is. How many times that happens. Uh It's you can't even virtue signal this anymore. You can't think that literally welcoming people to break the law and encouraging it. I mean, and and as as all this stuff, literally, the guy said it's it's being advertised in his country. Like we know that all we have to do is just show up. Doesn't matter that we're cutting in line in front of a bunch of people that have been waiting for years for their citizenship, permanent resident status, whatever. Now we don't really care. No, they don't. Joe Biden spoke at a black tie dinner last night. One of his uh, more coherent statements was in regards to what happened via Governor Abbott and DeSantis yesterday. Uh, let's hear him be real crotchety about it. And with Secretary Marcus's leadership, we're committed <laughs> to fixing the immigration system. Instead of working 
with us on solutions. Republicans are playing politics with human beings, using them as props. What they're doing is simply wrong. It's un-American. It's reckless. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. Republican officials should not interfere with that process by waging a politi these political stunts. It's long overdue for Senate Republicans to come to the table and provide a pathway for citizens, for dreamers, those oh, in temporary God. status, farm workers, and essential workers. It be we need to modernize our right laws now. so businesses get workers they need, and families don't have to wait decades to be brought back together. Oh. It's time to get it done. That's why we have to win this off your election. Uh, what? And one more thing. Oh. It's long overdue for a national museum... And was Secretary I don't know what he was what? saying. You, you heard him. Did he just threaten to steal the Declaration of Independence? He might have. I miss that button sometimes. <laughs> Ron DeSantis put out a statement stating that this is essentially no different than what Joe Biden does with the midnight flights. And uh, they hit KJP with it right now at the podium, so I pulled it. Apparently, um, you know, he, he said it was essentially no different than what the federal government has done in uh, sending, you know, flights in the middle of the night. That's the way he's characterized it. Uh, you know, uh, taking migrants to various different states. Do you have a response to that? So we are offering solutions. That's what the Biden-Harris administration has been doing since day one, including on the first day putting forth a comprehensive immigration reform to deal with this issue. Yeah, they created it. And, and also known as open borders? Yeah, also known as open borders. I'm not going to spend too much time in this because it's not too hard to wrap your brain around. Um, but frequenter of Martha's Vineyard, because a lot of her... Uh, Martha's. Martellardo. <laughs> Thank you. Kill Dog jumped on MSDNC this morning. Oh, and, and I she, hate her face. Oh, I'm and telling you. You know what I hate even more? When she Her not, fucking banner on Netflix or whatever the fucking program that pops up and it's like... Clintons and cars killing people, or whatever the fuck the show is called. It's the one where her and her daughter are uh, in, in just, the backseat. I want to. It's. I want to just like smash their head together like coconuts. You, you saw the meme I showed you, right? No. It said POV. You, the last thing you remember is hearing your cell unlock and the red light go off on the security camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, she weighed in on this because listen, she could say whatever she wants, but the, the fact of the matter is she's running for president, probably. Uh, let's hear. I think, Joe, you have uh, laid out the craziness of the time in which we're living, where some politicians would rather not only have an issue, but exacerbate it to the extent of literally human trafficking, as you said. And so what? many other Americans, I happen to believe still the Hello, majority pot. of Kettle Americans, um, are good hearted and generous. Oh. And when people end up on their doorstep in oh. need, they're going to respond. They're going to feed them and house them. Wait, what? Or they're gonna Martha's call Vineyard? Or they're gonna Martha's call, Vineyard, are you listening? They're going to call the National Guard and have wait, them physically removed. Wait, feed them and house them? Wait, what What if they have signs that says that they'll feed and house them and they're welcome? Mm. And then they don't. Like, and then they don't. Oh. Oh, scissor me timbers. It was a scissor yeah. me timbers-like day yesterday. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, there's nobody... Okay, there's thirty. There's what sixteen percent, thirty percent of people that are just gonna fucking put their head down and just continue running into the wall as hard as they can, voting Democrat. But then everybody else is waking up. No, big time. I'm watching the video of it right now. 
Martha's Vineyard couldn't handle 50 illegal immigrants for even 24 hours. They called in the National Guards. They arrived with buses and deported them from the island. But I thought the left-wingers loved diversity. So the National Guard shows up for 50 migrants in Martha's Vineyard. Five million but the National the Guard one. is declined to come for the rally on January 6th and the Noah listen the electoral uh, on day verification. one the Biden Harris administration put out a comprehensive immigration seriously it's retarded yeah it's it's it is um like it, these people should be wearing helmets it's a got them but uh and, and I don't really think they're gonna continue who knows they might listen we when we saw New York City and DC were getting hammered we were both saying it on the show do Chicago next you want to know what happens they start busting them to Chicago, and guess what Lori Lightfoot does? She takes all the migrants that are getting dropped off in Chicago, she puts them on buses and sends them to the suburbs, and then tells her constituents, the Trump voters are the ones that think it's funny that they're getting flown here, let them deal with it. And now they're just putting the migrants in the suburbs of Chicago. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think the Trump voters live in Martha's Vineyard. No, in, Ch- in Chicago. <laughs> no, I'm joking. In Marshallardo. Marshallardo. There you go. Uh, we do have to segue to some regular news, though, even though that was like kind of a little bit of a bright spot. Uh, but shining star Chip Roy is coming back into it. He was up on Capitol Hill yesterday, and he actually took to the House floor with, uh, I would say, compadre in, in a lot of the legislation that they try to present, James Cormer. And they were talking about, well, all things related to the country right now and how sucky it is. And, uh, you know, it's the house version of fire and fury when those two guys get up there because well first of all they're yellers and uh old yeller mm-hmm. secondly they're they're firebrands and they don't really have filters so not only are they going to call out all the stuff that's going on um you know they're going to call out uh the people who are doing it um this is a good one and this is a midterm election issue it's how the dems the radical progressives, the left, lean on the administrative state to just kind of ignore any kind of upstanding laws and policies in our country. And how the only people who get pretty much scumbagged like this is the everyday American people. Uh, it, it's a little bit longer clip because it's 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 Roy and, and Cormer back to back. But uh, I want to play it. So I thought it was a good piece and uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. My colleagues uh, talking about the politicization of how we deal with federal employees. The fact is the bureaucracy has never been more politicized than it is today. Mm. This bill is the Federal Bureaucrat Protection Act. That's what this is. Let's be 100% clear. This is about leftists in this body wanting to uh, protect the entrenched leftists in the the bureaucracy, undermining the will of the American people every single day. Mm. That's what it's about. We don't want to allow the people who are running the agencies to go in and fire people who are either not doing their job, completely violating their ethics at the desk, or frankly, are going right against the law or the will of the American people. Look no further than the Department of Homeland Security, which is turning a blind eye to our border. Look no further Mm. than an FBI that's targeting parents for daring to challenge school boards. Mm. That's what your federal bureaucracy is doing. All of these charges being levied saying, oh, this is about hate going after federal employees. I'm a former federal prosecutor, worked with the Department of Justice. My father worked in the federal government for 20 years, right here. But I know why the gentleman, my friend Mr. Byer, was here, because the richest counties in America are right here in Fairfax, Loudoun County, Montgomery County, feeding right off of the back of the beast that is the federal government. Got him. The bureaucrats that are stepping over the will of the American people. And if we dare put forward legislation like I have to say that those 
uh, bureaucrats should be able to be fired at will. For, for example, uh, how about the HUD employee caught using his work email for private business deals? Mm. The postal employee arrested for bringing cocaine into the workplace. An EPA employee spent years viewing pornography Hunter for two Biden to six hours a workday. <laughs> but the fact is, only 25% of federal supervisors felt they could successfully remove an employee, while 78% reported that previous efforts to remove the employee had no effect. Fact only 3% of whistleblower complaints are substantiated. 175 of 16,000 discrimination complaints were substantiated in 2019. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle want to preserve an entrenched bureaucracy to step over the will of the people yep. so that this town can decide the well-being of the American people. That's what it's about. It's about power. It's about the entrenchment of power among bureaucrats. My colleagues know it, and that's why they're trying to advance this legislation. I yield back. The U.S. House of Representatives needs to concentrate its energy on helping Americans survive economic turmoil and defending our borders and national security. Okay. I once again urge House Democrats to get back like to James what the Carter. American yeah. people elected us to do. Conduct oversight over the federal government and the Biden administration, which is on a path to destroy America. Yes. We need to hold hearings, conduct oversight, and pass legislation affecting the crises that uh, every American's facing today. That's our constitutional responsibility. But instead, Today, we are once again spending valuable resources and time on divisive political messaging legislation. I think if any American was watching this committee hearing today, they would share the frustration of those of us on this side of the aisle who were trying to drain the swap, who are trying to hold unelectable, unaccountable, federal bureaucrats who refuse to do their jobs accountable. That's part of the job of Congress. This bureaucracy gets bigger every Congress. And I've noticed, with the exception of one speaker, all the speakers on the other side of the aisle who spoke in favor of this bill represent the Washington, D.C. federal bureaucracy workforce. Mm -hmm. The majority of Congress, we represent America, and America wants to hold poor performing government employees, bureaucrats, who are paid with their hard-earned tax dollars accountable. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, anybody that's claiming that this is going after, quote-unquote, frontline workers and people that are actually, like, boots on the ground in the federal government, like, no. This is about the people that are up in the fucking attic like putting out a memo once a year, getting paid to fucking hang out and bang their secretary or whatever they do. Nothing. Nothing. Bring cocaine to work. Yeah. Use their their government-issued electronics to conduct personal and private business matters. Mm-hmm. And bang their secretaries. Yep. Excellent work by the gentleman from Texas and Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, those districts are both in more than adequate hands. You'd never believe it. The Dems would counter. House Majority Leader... And dirtbag, Rep. Steny Hoyer, who they were both talking shit about, uh, took to the podium shortly thereafter and wanted to just make fun of the whole idea of the deep state and think it's a con conservative conspiracy theory. Let's hear it. Please. That's what the previous president suggested. That's what his supporters are suggesting now. Yep. And they're suggesting not only that, but they're going to put people in place who want to follow their political edicts. Yes. Legal or not. They made it quite clear. 
They want to eliminate what they call the deep state. Okay. The deep state is a cadre of professionals dedicated to honoring the Constitution, what? the laws of this country, Wait, so and carrying exists? out the policies of the Congress and the President. By the way, it is the Congress that makes policy under the Constitution, under Article 1. It is the executive that carries out policies. Now, presidents of both parties. That's enough out of him. <laughs> I can't. You know, when they say. I can't. When they say deep state. So every single person that we heard up on Capitol Hill yesterday in their allotted time all textbooked idly defined the administrative state, but they use the catchphrase, the drive-by headline term, deep state. Mm -hmm. It's the unfireable, bureaucratic blob of management that runs the entirety of the federal government. Yeah. It's not the frontline workers. It's the people that, well, let's just say the president presents policy. Policy gets elected into law. Law is enacted. It goes down to the heads of the agencies. The heads of the agencies give it to the administrative state. And the administrative state says, we don't like it, so we're not going to do it. Mm -hmm. But it's a law. That's fine. We'll do it in the slowest fashion possible. And, and in two and a half years, that president will be gone. And then we won't have to do it anyway. And the people that come in, if it's on the other party, they're going to be happy that we didn't do it. So we're going to get promotions. Nice. And, uh, yeah, so that that's essentially what, uh, you know, they're talking about. And So, Noah, is it at all a relief to you to a month ago hear Donald Trump bringing this back up in his policy speech at the America First Legal Institute and then on the campaign trail and now actually sitting members of Congress, not candidates, not the America First election deniers and all those people who are Chip Roy is a is a seasoned veteran. Uh, James Comer is too. Mm -hmm. you, you know, we've heard people like uh, Tom Massey, obviously, like Jim Jordan and all the other Freedom Caucus members go up and talk about the same thing. Now they're starting to, to talk about it more frequently, and, and you see the pushback from the other side of the aisle. They're terrified. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Well, we don't live in an age when people can get away with the fucking just blatant lying anymore. Like, people can literally go and be like, yeah, you know, uh, you're, you're saying that this is going to, you know, fire Uncle Larry, who, uh, who works at the uh, agricultural uh, check stand from California to Nevada or whatever. And he's going to get fired. Mm -hmm. No, it's not him. It's going to be the guy 55 fucking rungs above him mm -hmm. on the federal ladder doing nothing. Doing nothing. Speaking of which, I pulled one. Really doesn't fit in the news, too. Mm. But I think you may have missed him. <laughs> Fuck, no. Yes. I'm going to ruin my day. No, you're going to like this one. Dr. Fauci was up on Capitol Hill answering questions about COVID again this week. Uh, we finally got, I think this is probably like the 14th round of Paul V. Fouch. And uh, I'll tell you what, not only did he pull out a laptop and show him like a five-minute video of himself in the 90s saying like, if you get the, the infection, it's basically the best vaccine you can ever get. Uh, all the way up to saying like, what happened now? What happened now? Why isn't it the same now? And he's just like, mm -hmm. it still says fire me on your website. <laughs> It says, it says, fire Dr. Fauci. Donate $5 and we'll fire Dr. Fauci. Uh, donate $5 to get Rand Paul to put his laptop away. We, you know what would have been funny? If when he went to pull up the video, his campaign website was up and that banner was there. Because oh, it's still there. That would have been brilliant. Um, but he did kind of let him know. Listen, 
you want to retire, happy trails. We won't miss you. And, and the 500000 almost dollars a year that you make in addition to all the the kickbacks you get from the pharmaceutical Not companies. Not to mention the money he's going to make in perpetuity. Books. Now. What the Speaking fuck? events. Fuck. Yep. Well. Now he doesn't even care. He doesn't even care. It doesn't fucking matter. The only thing he cares about is not going to fucking jail. You might be, think differently after hearing this clip. Immunology. Any of the guidelines for vaccines? Uh, of you know, any of the guidelines for vaccines from the government include previous <laughs> infection as something to base your decision making on with vaccines. Do uh, any of the guidelines uh, involve previous infection? Uh, That's why you're ignoring previous fine. infection, because it doesn't involve any of the guidelines. And furthermore, we've been asking you, and you refuse to answer, whether anybody on the vaccine committees gets royalties from the pharmaceutical companies. Mm. I asked you last time. We don't have what to was your response? that. We don't have to tell you. Right. We've demanded them through Freedom of Information Act. And what have you said? We're not going to tell you. But I tell you this, when we get in charge, mm -hmm. we're going to change the rules and you will have to divulge where you get your royalties from, from what companies. And if anybody in the committee has a conflict of interest, we're going to learn about it. I promise you that. Um, Mr. Chair, can I can I respond to that, please? Uh, OK, there are two aspects for what you said. You keep saying you approve. You do this. You do that. The committees that give the approval are FDA through their advisory committee. The committees that recommend trying to say it's not are him CDC now. Yep. It wasn't through me. their advisory committee. And you keep saying, it was the one on I'm the, the one that's approving a vaccine based on certain data. So I don't really understand with all due respect, Senator. You're the and one I have, that said you would not reveal, no. you would not reveal what companies well, um, gave, you the, gave you royalties or what company gave the other scientists royalties? Gotta move That's on. What you told oh. the committee. Senator Paul, S gotta Sir, move on. I, could I please answer that? Briefly, you yes. keep asking committees, they're not my committees. They're the VERPAC committee for the FDA and the ACIP for the CDC. So I don't have any idea. What goes on? And they with won't the re reveal as well as you. Mm -hmm. You keep mentioning science. <laughs> I am not, obviously, not science. Probably said he was science at one point. He probably fucking said he was in charge of all this other shit at one point, too. You know, it's going to be funny when he denies it up and down up on Capitol Hill, and then his book comes out and he talks about it. You know, he's the hero. Remember when he said he didn't want the spotlight and then they did all those candid, like. God, I wonder how many rewrites they've had to do on his book. Like, <sighs> fuck, I can't put that in there anymore. I said I didn't do that. I am 100% responsible for the science. I just pulled that one for you. It has nothing to do with our news narrative. Yeah, or well, the it's, show today. it's a refreshing. We know you miss him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, actually someone commented on our on one of our posts this week and said they missed the, the Dr. Fauci impersonations. Oh, yeah. So I, th I think we actually do a pretty good one. Um, administration punching bag, even though they say he's like the fourth or fifth top candidate to, to likely run for president in 2024, Mayor Pete uh, jumped on Squawk Box this morning. And he went out there talking about EV and all this other stuff and inflation. What inflation? I'll be honest with you. For being a little bit of a progressive, well, it's CNBC. So it, it's MSDNC's uh, business channel. This guy had, like, had enough and just kind of took him to task. I think you're going to like this one. You might want to get the garrison button ready, but it's a good clip. Day, it looked really tone deaf. I mean, what, what you're telling me, so just stick to the script. 
The economy is great. The border is secure. Look at the stock market our while he's talking. Are safe. <laughs> Wouldn't it be no one's better, pretending wouldn't all it be better to just be honest? Wouldn't it be better to just be honest with the American people about the soup that we're in right now? And, and we can all try to deal with it together instead no, of no, just. Nobody's saying that our nobody's saying we don't have any problems. But if you don't pause and recognize the meaning of one of the most significant pieces of legislation so far in the 21st century, just because we also have a lot of other problems we're contending with as a country, then, then I think you're, you're really feeding into a narrative that's, that's uh, you know, pulling America down and holding America back. Uh, oh. Of course we have a lot more work so, to do. So hurting feelings is not reality. Uh, in, mm. uh, in the economy and a number of things that, uh, uh, that need attention. But, but if we just ignore the significance of legislative achievements that some people thought were dead and buried uh, just days before they actually happened, if we ignore what it means to have created 10 million jobs, most of any presidency in the history of the republic. Uh, if we ignore the momentum that has been built, then, uh, then we're not doing our part to, to, to support people it, who are going to help us uh, with the next it named It wasn't named the Climate Act. It, you, you deliberately, and some people would say erroneously, named it the Inflation <laughs> Reduction Act, and you're celebrating it on the day when, again, we had 40-year highs in inflation. And you know how that affects people that you know, on the low end of things. It, it's like the most insidious problem that, that, you know, an economy can face. This is CNBC. Right. And, and of course, the worst, thing, day, about, it, it just, the worst thing about inflation is that it means people are paying too much by definition uh, for things. And what this bill does is allows people to pay less for no, things. No, it doesn't. Paying less for energy, paying less for these home retrofits, paying less for prescription drugs. You still have to uh, buy Paying less stuff. for insulin mm. if you're on Medicare. As you know, Republicans successfully blocked us from getting $35 a month insulin to everybody, but we were able to get it to uh, Medicare recipients. And uh, even paying less for electric vehicles. So uh, this is part of the fight against the effects that inflation have on people. Look, we got to have a whole other conversation over a drink about how bills get named, uh, the, the acronyms they come up with, <laughs> the names we come up with. I get it. I mean, there, there are a lot of different things that are part of this bill, uh, only some of which uh, are related to inflation, but in, in my view, all of which are going to make a big, very positive and historic difference for the American people. Hmm. Oh, no. I'm just going to let that one ride, Noah? <laughs> I just can't. It's done. <sighs> done for the day. We're almost there. Traffic's light on the way to Martha's Vineyard. Mm. Let's go. Martha's Vinlard. <laughs> Vinlardo. Oh, so Jesse Waters has gotten into it with Lady G the last couple of times he's been on his show. I know we've played a couple of clips of it. Um, he, he hemmed him up for virtue signaling on Ukraine when everybody knows it's the wrong thing to do. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't be an episode of this show at such a critical juncture uh, in time if we weren't going to swing it around and uh, talk about the midterm elections to wrap up our week. So I don't know if you saw Noah. Just as all the polls are tightening, it's Friday. We're currently 55 days away from when Americans go to the ballot box, and hopefully we have the largest Republican day of voter turnout in the history of midterm elections. Mm -hmm. We went back to the House and Senate and roll out the red carpet for Donald Trump to announce that he's running in 2024. On Tuesday, as the stock market was tanking and the Biden administration was celebrating it on the front lawn of the White House, Lindsey Graham decided to present a bill banning abortion after 15 weeks. So just as Roe v. Wade was finally getting into the rearview mirror, because I think we're all in agreement now, before Tuesday and, and Lindsey Graham's huge error, people aren't going to go to the ballot box in November of this year and vote 
against the Supreme Court ruling and for pronouns over everything else that's going on in this country. You don't think so? No, I don't. I really don't. My heart of hearts. 3% will. That's fine. Because that, that means, <laughs> listen, I, and I tell everybody all the time, my absolute basement on the midterm elections, I'm hawkish. It's 245 and 53, even though I could see 260 and 54. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else is, is considered not a great, and you know what, we're going to talk about that in a clip or two, but Lady G jumped on with Jesse, and uh, they got into a pretty heated argument about it. Let's hear it. All was, but what were the Republicans doing? On the day inflation roared back and the market crashed, I thought I'd see Republican senators holding press conferences in front of grocery stores and gas stations, you know, promising to bring prices down if you put them back in charge. But that's not what happened. Instead, Lindsey Graham called a press conference to propose a nationwide abortion ban. We should have a law at the federal level that would say after 15 weeks, no abortion on demand except in cases of rape, incest, to save the life of another. Senator Lindsey Graham joins me now. So, Senator Graham, Republicans are very angry at you. (laughs) You're getting a lot coming for this. Why'd you do it on that day? Not great timing. Don't you see that? Uh, I'm proudly pro-life, and I have no apology for being pro-life, and there's no bad time to defend the unborn. So if you expect me to sit on the sidelines Mm. and watch the Democratic Party try to pass the most radical abortion law in the history of the country, you're talking to the wrong guy. What what do I oppose? Schumer and Pelosi have proposed a law for the entire nation that will allow abortion on demand until the point of birth. There are seven nations on the planet have that extreme view. China and North Korea are two of the seven. We all agree on that. Well, no, wait a minute. Now, listen, I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and let America become that kind of nation. No one's saying you need to sit on the sidelines, but yesterday wasn't the day to do that. Yesterday There's- was the day they lost all momentum when yep. this inflation thing yep. punched them right in the face. And you gave him an out. A lot of people Uh, don't like that. You could have done it on any other day, just like you could have delayed the whole press conference, like (laughs) Joe should have delayed that stupid party. Uh, so I, I take issue. I don't think I don't think there's a bad day to stand up for the unborn. What am I trying to say? That America needs to have a policy that makes us a civilized nation. It would bother me that if a baby's aborted at 38 weeks in California, New York. What am I proposing for our country? That at 15 weeks, when the baby can feel pain, you provide anesthesia to save its life. If you operate on it, it should be protected from being dismembered by an abortionist. That puts us in line with France, Germany, Great Britain. They all have abortion bans below 15 I understand. And the people are with you on that. No, you're right. I'm not going to apologize. You're you're right. No. Ever apologize about standing up for the unborn. You know what? We need to go on the offensive here. It's not what's in your heart. Americans agree with that. They're against abortion after the first trimester. But you got to talk tactics, Senator. It's terrible timing, terrible tactics. We could have shoved this down their throat on the day the Americans got hammered with this inflation number and the market crashing. And now all the media and the Democrats are talking about federal abortion ban, federal abortion ban. You know that's not smart well, politics, they're right? They're lying. Here's what I would say. Weird noises. I know. Everybody knows inflation's out of control. This is the most extreme agenda for the American people on the border when it comes to crime. And let me just say this. 
It is now time for the pro-life community to lend their voice to the most extreme measures being pushed by the Democratic Party. We should have done it yesterday. We should have done it the day before. But from this day forward, I promise you to prosecute the case against their border policies, against their economic policies, against their foreign policy. But I will not make any apology to you or anybody else for standing up <laughs> it's against right. the most radical agenda. I'm not asking for an China. apology. I'm uh, just well, saying good. you're you're getting a lot of heat for the timing well, I of can that. Stand the heat. I know, yeah, but I the wedge issue it. is partial birth abortion. It, the the wedge can, issue is uh, partial birth. That's well, what it is. You know what right? the issue is? That most Americans would be disgusted with a policy that allows the dismemberment, dismemberment of a baby at 15 weeks. I agree. The people are with me, and if I'm not willing to talk up now. If not now, when? If not me, who? So I agree with you on the uh, the economic policies, but my friend, right. the pro-life community needs to speak up, and we will, and we will win this issue because right. we're right. All right. I respect your opinion. Thank like you. Like I said, timing was off, and timing is everything, <laughs> Senator. Yeah. Thank you so tell much that, tell for that coming to the in. Baby. Tell that to the baby. I hear you. I know. I'm just talking. <laughs> Jeez. 55 fucking days, Lindsay. Like, literally. Like, you coming out and having that press conference doesn't enact it into law. You've got a whole hell of a lot better chance of getting it through in January. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, the stock market lost 5% on Tuesday, and they had a party for the Non-Inflation Act. It's, we, it's already out of the news cycle. It's idiotic. It's already gone. Yeah. All because of this bullshit. I don't know if this came at the direction of Mitch McConnell at a pushback. I mean, we've seen Lady G come and defend some of Donald Trump's policies over the last couple of months, but you can never, he's like one of the biggest snakes in Congress, mm-hmm. always has been. And at the end of the day, he's always looking out for himself. I, I, I wish somebody would just drop some receipts on that guy mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, it, it's nonsensical. Um, and, and it brings that issue, which, which we were kind of getting over because of all the bad stuff that's coming out of the Biden regime right now. You know, and gave us the opportunity to really focus on the issues. It's like one of these reasons why, no, I know you've seen it. You know, the, the newest Dem strategy for the midterm elections is I'm not going to debate. We're just going to run against each other. You're either going to run with the psycho MAGA crowd or you're going to run with like this government is working as hard as they can to make your life better. Better? Yeah. Well, you know. Does anybody believe that? Anybody. It doesn't matter if they believe it or not. There's not going to be, like, Katie Hobbs is not going to debate Carrie Lake. No, and that's ridiculous. That shouldn't be fucking optional. No, John Fetterman agreed to debate Dr. Oz 15 days before the election after they have a month of mail-in balloting. He wants two practice rounds, and he wants a live, while they're debating, uh, caption on the fucking screen so he can read it and process it to be able to give his answer. Well, he does look like he might be. But... You know, mail-in voting in Pennsylvania is, like, one of their biggest components, like 30% of the vote. Yeah. So, and these two are, Dr. Oz is going to fucking absolutely work him. Mm-hmm. It should be happening this week. Raphael Warnock, another one. October, yeah, why would, why, October why would they 14th wait? is when he wants to debate Herschel Walker. That's three weeks before Election Day. It's fucking bullshit. No, they're hoping people will miss it. Yeah. And or will have already, already voted. You know, Mark Kelly's trying to avoid Blake Masters, even though they've agreed. Cortez Masto is trying to avoid Adam Lexalt, even though they've agreed. Like, if you're going in for a position in government like this, there's not debating should not be a fucking option. Like, you should have, like, you got to put your cards on the table and let us know what you got and let us know that you're fucking competent to do the job. Yeah, you want to talk about places like Ohio, a seat we need to retain. 
The Democrat challenger said last week we need to start killing all these MAGA crazies. Like, literally. Killing? Called, yeah, we played it on the show. We called for the murder oh, of, right, of MAGA yeah. people. And, and what do you think that debate's going to be like? You know, and, and he's trying to avoid a debate with, uh, with J.D. Vance, who will be, you know, in the spotlight this weekend because Donald Trump's going to be doing a Save America rally. We told you that you'd be getting somewhere around 30 rallies. He's already announced the next three. It's Ohio this week. It's, it's North Carolina the week after, and I believe Wisconsin as well. Um, you know, but it's just absolutely out of control. The, the way these people kind of navigate the world. Mm. And, you know, I saw yesterday, this is not a good one on real America's voice. I believe it was on voice live. Um, the host had on Troy Nels, who's usually pretty solid Texas representing, um, he was the one that had like his congressional office investigated. Remember Noah, the, the oh, Capitol yeah, police yeah. went and busted his balls and asked for cell phones and stuff. And, uh, they had like the guys who were dressed up in the fake construction stuff, like spying on his office. Cause he's Trump adjacent. Mm-hmm. Well, talking about giving up already. This is a sitting member of Congress. Listen to what he told uh, real America's voice yesterday. Look, Kevin McCarthy isn't going to be any better than Paul Ryan or a host of others that have stood there when the Republicans had the gavel, why on earth is it a foregone conclusion that Kevin McCarthy will be the Speaker of the House when the Republicans take over January of 23? Why? Why do we have to accept that? Well, the reality is I'm a realist, Steve, and whether we like it or not, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy is going to be the Speaker of the House. There's no question about it. Not true. And I think there are many of us out there. There are many of us in the House Freedom Caucus and others that are going to say, if we have the gavel, if the American people are going to give us the gavel and they're going to give it to Kevin McCarthy, we must hold him accountable. So honestly, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm. I don't think there's anybody else even in the race. So Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker and uh, and, and we must hold him accountable. Interesting way to phrase. I'll vote for you. And you see the I'll host? vote for you over yeah. that. I mean, we need somebody who's going to be, listen, why is it all, because here's what, here's what really irritates people, Congressman. When the Democrats are in the minority, the opposition party, they put up people like Harry Reid, yep. who's in front of cameras every day, or Nancy Pelosi, or Chuck Schumer, or Bernie Sanders, or what? They're incessantly in front of the cameras doing the deal, doing the drill. Republicans never do that, uh, unfortunately. Uh, why do we always feel like we get the Republicans back in charge and then we just never quite get there? It's like an unsatisfying meal, if you will. Why? Yeah. And again, I understand, Stephen, I can see the frustration with the American people because under Paul Ryan's leadership, we had both chambers. We had Donald Trump as our president, and I think he's the greatest president in my lifetime. We had an opportunity to address the southern border, secure the southern border, and Congress did nothing. Donald Trump did it all on his own. So, yes, I am very concerned. I'm very Mm -hmm. frustrated with past speakers that we've had. But again... Kevin McCarthy is going to be the speaker. There's no question about it. It's a done deal. Mm-mm. And now we just have to make sure that that we hold him accountable. And I think Kevin McCarthy is going to do a great job. He's going to have to. And he's going to have individuals in the House Freedom Caucus and others that are going to hold him accountable. So, uh, again, well, uh, it is right, what it is. It is what it is. You've got the junior woodchuck on the block. I understand that. But here's the thing. Uh, Paul Ryan. John Boehner, that piece of shit. I, I, I mean, I look back and I just, I just, my head, boom. Anyhow, Thanks, all right, first. Kevin McCarthy, it is. We better hold him accountable because otherwise, the American people are going to hold uh, the Republican members of Congress accountable. It's time to move the needle and not give up to the socialist woke nonsense. 
Mm. Kevin. True story. What do you think, Noah? Mm-hmm. You know, w- one thing that we need to add in here is, so there was a secret meeting this week. I don't know if you heard. It, it was on like Tuesday or Wednesday. Everybody made a big deal of Donald Trump flew into a Trump golf course at D.C. And, uh, you know, of course, all the radical progressives were like, oh, Donald Trump's going to Washington, D.C. to turn himself into the DOJ. <laughs> no. A few hours later, it was a golf course meeting. Mm-hmm. Tell me what you think of this lineup right here. You got the boss, mm-hmm. Eric. Yep. Don Jr. Uh-huh. Boomer Sweat, Sean Hannity. Mm. Kevin McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Nunes. Mm-hmm. Scavino. Mm-hmm. Secret Service. They met for several hours on the golf course, drove 18, golfed zero. Nobody had clubs. It was weird. In the rain. This well, interview I mean, it's, was... It's two, prob- probably the only way to not have people know what they're saying. Two days later was this interview. So so that was like on Tuesday. This was Thursday, yesterday. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it, it really is. So they uh, just had like a fleet of golf carts and they were just cruising around in the rain? Mm-hmm. I got some pictures I'll show you after. Huh. Obviously, the paparazzi were like following them around. Um, Mark Meadows, Donald Trump's uh, last chief of staff, um, was on with Big Head Charlie Kirk yesterday. And he had a kind of an interesting perspective on the midterm elections as we're in our second to last audio clip of the day. Don't worry. This is kind of a little doomerish, but we're laying out the chessboard right now. Strategy is a work in progress. And we're going to be sitting down and talking to a lot of our friends in the upcoming weeks that are going to get us all squared away here, including a lot of those America first candidates who we've got coming in here starting uh, pretty much the first week. Well, Joe Ken will be in on Tuesday, so that'll be awesome. But uh, let's hear his analysis of where we go following the midterms. What, what Mark is talking about here is that the current strategy in DC is punt till after the elections of any consequential vote. And then, as we know, there's that lame duck period because Congress doesn't get sworn into, what, January 3rd or 4th or 5th or whatever it is. That's correct. And so then there will be this window of time from November 9th to January 3rd, which will be a feeding frenzy. I mean, they will pass the worst stuff you could imagine because there will be no election to check and balance. Oh, it'll be it'll be executive order mania. Crews are doing and they have the clairvoyance to see it is like, hey, we have to make sure that we still have a constitutional check and balance. Because if you think Pelosi's dangerous now, wait till she has 60 days where she knows she's not going to be speaker anymore. It will, be, it will be the last days of a falling regime. Okay, Mark, I want to ask you, though, about something. Is, is it better in the interest of the America First conservative movement to have a big majority or to have a 20 or 30 seat majority? <laughs> I know you're chuckling because this is a debate on the right. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, so on the right, let me just tell you, I want a smaller majority. I want a majority, but I want a smaller majority. I appreciate the candor, (laughs) because not everyone's willing to say that. Yeah, well, here's the deal, is is if you have such a large majority, what happens is the conservative voice gets really diluted, and you end up with a whole lot of moderate Republicans forming the agenda. And so I want want to have uh, the House but I'd like to have a more modest, uh, not an overwhelming 40, 50 seat majority. That's a very honest answer. And I think you're exactly right. I think 15 to 20 seats is just perfect. That I think you would agree that way. You have the really good ones that are dictating the agenda. Because if you get to 50 or 60, which I don't think is in the cards right now, I don't see the preconditions for that. Mm. All of a sudden you would have all these districts that would be one that you'd have to try to rewin, and then you would have people that are total moderates. You would have like a Kinzinger-esque type legislative agenda because they'd say, well, I have to vote my district, and you'd have 35 of those people that would sway us in a very moderate direction. Whereas if you have a 15 or 20 seat majority, then also leadership has to reflect the swing voters. 
which would then be the grassroots conservatives. 20 seconds, Mark. 100%, you're 100% right. And we don't want California and New York yes. deciding what the agenda is for the rest of America. When we have a smaller majority, I've been saying that we're gonna have a 12 seat majority, but 15 to 20 seats would be fine. It will make a big difference and That's America right. will win. They'll be right within the margin of making sure that we actually get stuff done, not just win and we take over the speaker's office and nothing consequential actually happens. I'm um, yes and no with that. Obviously, I don't want rhinos and, and too many moderates. You know, let's, let's just say you get into like the 60s and stuff like that, and then it kind of waters it down a little bit. But, you know, when I look at some of these, uh, Kevin Kiley out in California 3 has been the only person stepping up to, you know, standing up to Gavin Newsom for the last three years. And uh, he's in like a district right now. I think that's Trump plus five. Mm. And I think he's going to be an amazing addition to the House. Now, there might be some more watery ones uh, coming down the pike. But that's that's to be seen afterwards. Um, I, I'm like 50% in on that narrative. I, I don't know how you feel about it. No, I, I, I kind of just want to stack numbers and make it to where, like, we don't have to worry about elections moving forward. We're going to kind of, uh, you know, continue to stack numbers. I want super majorities by 2026. Christina Bob talked about it. So is Devin Nunes. Uh, we can get to 63 to 65 in the Senate. Well, and it's then, the only thing that's going to save the country at this point. Yeah, I mean— the way they're talking is like, okay, so you get a simple majority in the House, and then the rest of the country literally has to get its ass kicked for the next two years for them to finally get on board. I really don't like that. No. Um, Tucker Carlson had uh, Ned Ryan on uh, talking about Mitch McConnell and the GOP establishment, you know, trying to sabotage America First candidates. It's something that's been plaguing this entire election cycle, and I thought it was uh, an absolutely great clip. Number of significant Republican candidates around the country, that would include Blake Masters in Arizona, yep. Donald Bolduck in New Hampshire, yep. for example, who seem to have been defunded by the Republican Party in Washington. Huh, why is that? Something's going on here. Ned Ryan might know what is going on here. He's the CEO of American Majority. He joins us tonight. Ned, thanks so much for coming on. So maybe I'm just being paranoid, though I'm not sure you can be too paranoid at this point, but it seems <laughs> like a lot of the candidates who are challenging the most basic orthodoxies of Washington views that are not shared by the majority of Americans, people actually want to make this a representative government, are getting shafted by the funders in D.C.? Is this happening? Yes. It's absolutely happening. I mean, Mitch McConnell's Senate Leadership Fund just pulled $8 million worth of ads out of Arizona. And, Tucker, I remind people that the Emerson poll that just came out recently shows Blake down by two points uh, against Mark Kelly, who's only at 47%. It's an eminently, it, it's, it's a winnable race. And that's Mark Kelly's and ceiling is about 47, 48. I think one of the 48. reasons are doing this, Tucker, if we're being honest, the GOP establishment, establishment is not putting America first. They don't want America first. It's Washington first and, and America maybe eventually. Mm. And you look at this, this behavior, it's, it's by sociopaths. You yes. can only look at this. Mitch McConnell would much rather lose races than have America first senators in the Senate because he's petty, he's vindictive, and he despises the base. And that's the only explanation. I think it's the real explanation as to why he's pulling funding for Blake Masters and others. He would prefer to be in the minority. He's playing games. Tucker, let's be clear. He's playing games with the future of this country because he is petty and vindictive. Well, it's also true, at least according to news accounts, that Mitch McConnell's family has benefited greatly from its ties to China, communist China. So maybe it wouldn't be a good thing to have other members of the Senate who are openly anti-China who might say something like that out loud because you're not allowed to say that out loud. Well, I mean, it's a problem. You don't want America first senators inside a Republican caucus. Then it becomes unruly. You might not be able to control it. 
I've said this plenty I, of I times, Tucker. Awesome. I'll say it again. <laughs> Mitch McConnell is a small enough individual that when push comes to shove, all he really cares about is being the leader of the Republican caucus, even if he's in the minority. Yep. That's all that Mitch McConnell cares about. He doesn't care about being really being in the majority. He doesn't care about the country. He wants to be the leader of the Republican caucus inside of the Senate. And if he has America first senators inside of the caucus, it becomes problematic for him. Therefore, I will pull funding eight million worth from Blake Masters and other funding from other America first types because I'd much rather they lose than win and cause problems for me in Washington, D.C., even if it means I'm in the majority. Man, I hope patriotic Americans can make up that deficit and get Blake Masters to the United States Senate where he can help clean the house. I really do. I so do we. And we're going to be having Blake Masters back in here very shortly. Nice. He'll be in the next two weeks. No, I don't know if you heard. And for our last audio clip of the week, um, there was some big news coming out of fake news CNN yesterday. Oh, yeah? So you haven't heard. What do they got? Usual loser in the rankings when we have some of our bigs on here. I mean, we, we did have uh, Ambassador Grinnell and the former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker on with us today. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that over the course of the weekend, we'll spank him at least a couple days. Mm-hmm. Don Lamont oh, no. has lost his show. <laughs> and he's been offered. We killed him on the uh, we podca- podcast ratings, too. Yeah. yeah. Every time we have some great guests on here, we crush him uh, on his daily podcast. So he, no one cares, Don Lamont, you fuck. He was given, he was given, so instead of having his two hour nightly program on CNN, he was offered the uh, 5 a.m. breakfast edition <laughs> of Good Morning CNN. And he's going to have to get used to that schedule. You want to hear him cry about it for our last clip of the week? Oh, yes. Let's do it. Presented with an opportunity that I can't pass up at this network. And we have a new boss who um, is a morning show impresario. Ah, can't pass up. And he wants a morning show that will kick off the editorial direction of the network every single day. And I am honored that he asked me to do it. And for all of those who are out there saying, oh, he moved me and without my... He asked me, and I said yes. I no. could have said no. This you could is have my said show. no, but you wouldn't have a job. I had a contract for You'd this show. You'd be teaching show. at Harvard like I the decided that <laughs> I would take him up on that and take this journey with him. So this oh. is not someone moving me. And by the way, this is not someone oh. saying, you must move oh. to the right, Don oh. Lemon. You must oh. not be so, um, give so much of your perspective. None of that has happened. All of that is fodder for Twitter, which is not real. So stop it. I was not demoted. None of that. Yes, you were. This is an opportunity. This is a promotion. This is, this is, um, an opportunity for me to create something around me. And I get to work with two great ladies who you know. Poppy Harlow, who I've known Shut for more up. than a decade. I went to her wedding in Slovenia. I know oh, her children. I know her husband. I went to her wedding in and Slovenia. Caitlin Collins, <laughs> uh, same thing. We've been friends since Caitlin has been at the network. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was almost as bad as I could have. I could have said no and, and be unemployed. <laughs> and he'd be a fellow at Harvard like, like Mr. Potato Head, Brian Stelter. Was that fuck went? Yeah, he got picked up to do, uh, he's now t- one of the uh, adjunct journalism professors there jesus mm-hmm. and he'll be he'll be teaching all those virtue singer uh enrollees who don't academically qualify to get in so good luck with that one wow <laughs> yeah he'll probably get beat up in class and mugged in the bathroom <laughs> listen it, it was a crazy week a big week um where are we i think we're still kind of even and, and ending this week where we're at and i think moving forward 
you know, we're going to have to see what happens over the weekend. We do have the benefit now and probably every weekend between now and November 8th of, of enjoying a Trump rally. So we'll be taking a hard look at uh, what his message is. Listen, is he going to have Mike Lindell come up on stage? Is he going to talk about it? Is he continue, going to continue to rail on the FBI and the DOJ? Uh, you know, now that uh, he's been awarded the special master and, and that component of their uh, tactics for the midterm election has now been removed from the chessboard. And this is going to be the first rally since he's had a, a you know, a complete set of, of pieces to play with because the, the primaries are fucking finally over. It seems like we've been covering them for a year and a half on steak for breakfast. And here we are at our uh, first midterm election. So we'll, we'll, we'll just keep tracking throughout the weekend. I'm sure there'll be a lot of garbage commentary on Sunday that I have to wade through and bring to you guys on our Tuesday edition of the show, but, uh, you know, in regards to that, at least we'll have one good segment with uh, President Trump in Ohio. What do you think, Noah? Great way to end the week? Not bad. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. We had two uh, fire segments today with our guests, and uh, there was a lot of news that we had to report on. I mean, we only did two news blocks, but I think we got like five or six different narratives in there. So you're all caught up heading into the weekend. You're welcome. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode of the show and like to hear the other 169 episodes of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find us on every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podatta, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, the Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share steak for breakfast content show creds go to our guests today ambassador rick grinnell and the former attorney general to the united states mr matt whitaker in addition to them some of our internet friends who white memes the patriotic babes accounts mr ultra garbaggio and christina bob save america guys you can't forget and i can't stress enough to get out there and support our sponsors because when you do that the only thing that happens is you help make small american businesses great again my pillow I guess you can enter promo code FBI at checkout because it's now valid. <laughs> Love it. And uh, listen, if you're looking for sheets, if you're looking for towels, if you're looking for the Air Lindell's version one or two, he'll take care of that. If you're not really a morning person, my coffee will get you done right. Just enter promo code steak at checkout and uh, they'll take care of you. And, and you'll, it'll be the best quality bedding slash breakfast material you've ever owned. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website, and MyStore.com slash steak is the other website. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear, world's most technologically advanced in studio recording equipment. You know you can find it at Odyssey. I love my headphones. They are a major investment, but when you make it, you'll never have a regret. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. The Patriot Cigar Company. You enter promo code steak at checkout, you're getting 15% off. Free shipping's on order over 100 bucks. $10 e-gift card on your next purchase comes in every box of cigars. MyPatriotCigars.com. It's a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. You know he's got a simple equation for all your gun-related needs. Firearms, parts, accessories, and ammo. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear holsters. If you want a picture of uh, Don Lamont crying. Meh. Because he got moved to the 5.30 a.m. edition of... Crying yet trying to make, like, you know... But I went to her wedding in Slovenia. Jesus. God. They'll put it on the concealed carry Kydex holster. They'll get those orders out faster than ever before. StayReadyGear.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. 
better uh, be ready to fire on that button again. <laughs> man rubs. I had some delicious man rubbed chicken yesterday. I bought it, shook it, sprinkled it, rubbed it. I baked it. Took it out of the oven. I actually had some barbecue sauce for uh, dipping on the side, and then I threw it in my mouth. Num, num, num. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Mediocre Medic, for all our first responders, you're going to love all the gear they've got in their store. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website. And last but certainly not least, the home of the Zero Fucks Duck is at DumpBox.us. Still don't know? Check them out on Facebook and Instagram. Upcoming shows. Let's see who we got. Not a bad one coming in here hot on Monday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday on the 20th. Joe Kent will be here for an America First interview, and we'll be doing the news with Norbin Laden. Nice. Mm-hmm. We'll round out the week next week. It's also not going to be a pretty bad one. We've got our uh, bi-monthly segment with Cash Patel. We're going to be sitting down with former top Trump advisor Theo Wald again. And we're going to have New Hampshire 2's Republican nominee, America First, former Trump appointee, Bob Burns, will be back. We'll kick off the following week with Dr. Peter Navarro so far and Keith Paykow, who went viral last week. Yeah. Given that, uh, you know, disclaimer on what the Safety Act in Illinois is looking like. He's running for a House seat in Illinois 6. He's going to be joining us again. Republican nominee in North Carolina 4, Courtney Gilles will be back with us on the 30th. The January 6th uh, Patriot Group, who spoke at the Trump rally last weekend in Pennsylvania, the founder, Cynthia Hughes, she'll be in the same day. And we had a reschedule with Clay Clark. On the 4th of November, we've got J.R. Majewski and Max Miller. We'll do an Ohio First Edition of the show. And looking down the road a little bit, because I know you guys are waiting for it, on the 14th of October, Cash Patel, Devin Nunez, Volume 2. We'll have them both in for the same segment. We've got at least 45 minutes blocked off for them, so I think it's going to be good. Friends of the Week, obviously our uh, true social Twitch streamers. I don't have the list in front of me, but you know I love all you guys. Uh... You guys just tagged me on True Social because you guys, I guess, are doing a little mid-game video gaming. So we really love and appreciate you guys. 13th Gen Patriot, always sharing our shit. Love them. And uh, they call me Tim79, always sharing our stuff and tagging us on True Social. In addition to that, some of our uh, friends in the meme community, Namrock, Namrock, Dumbass Photoshop, Mostly Peaceful, uh, Silent Meme Jordy. Who else we got? Real Brenda Memes. Mad America just had a new fire one today, Little Mermaid-themed. And uh, who else? Who else? Oh, I have to say it because you want to know what, Noah? They listen. Who? He's, he's been tagging me a lot this week because he missed us. Who? Snack.Thickelson. Thickelson. You didn't think I saw those tags, but we did. Nice. In addition to them, all the rest of the friend zone meme share. Guys, thanks for remember between now and Tuesday. Number one, do your own research. Give you a shitload of information today. You want to fact check us on any of it? Go out, do your research. Actually, if you fact check us, it might help the show a little bit. Yeah. Number two, start a podcast. Noah? Not bad. I like it. Number three, we'll be hearing a lot of it this weekend. We need to start talking about American greatness again. We do not talk about it enough. It's time to start talking about it again. We don't do it enough. We're getting there. 55 days, my friend. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 170 of the Stakes of Records podcast. We'll be back with episode 171 on Tuesday. We're going to have at least... Joe Kent and the lovely Norbin Laden in here. On behalf of the pod team, I'm Ron Noah. Yo. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend and take care.
Weekly Briefing has a new sponsor. Check it out. This programming is brought to you by FBI Cellular. FBI Cellular is your leader in used Republican cell phones. At FBI Cellular, we're able to beat any price on a gently used iPhone or Android phone. How can we do this? Well, we get our latest inventory of gently used phones for free from Republicans. Under the new Biden policy, where any Republican is labeled a terrorist, our inventory is increasing daily. Inventory that includes the latest smartphones from James O'Keefe, U.S. Congressman Scott Perry, My Pillows, Mike Lindell, and many more coming from a neighborhood near you. I want to thank Pastor Hank. He said I could uh, give out a promo code tonight, and I'm going to give out FBI. <laughs> and I want to thank all of you. That promo code does work, by the way. You can save on my store and on my pillow. How much can I save with FBI? You can save up to 66% of anything on my pillow. Ha <laughs> ha